All right, back from a long hiatus. Uh, I don't even know if I know how to do this anymore. My name is The Taxman. This is the Grappling with Canada podcast, and this is our holiday spectacular, if you will. Uh, tonight's episode is quite a bit different than we do normally do. It's not on one specific subject, but on multiple subjects. And to cover those multiple subjects, I have multiple guests, which I'm very happy to have in the chat right now. And as per holiday traditions, it's a come-and-go event, so... You never know who's going to be here at the end, and you never know who's going to pop in during it. But right now, I'm very happy to join on the line by, I'll go in order on my screen here, uh, BC Hunter, good friend of the show from Wrestling With The Truth podcast. Uh, we have Stephen Verrier, vaunted author and multiple-time uh, guest on the program. Jamie Greer, who's doing some tremendous work with the Windsor wrestling history scene. Greg Oliver. I, I could go on and on and on about Slam Wrestling and his multitude of books, but I'll save you all. Everybody knows who Greg Oliver is, naturally. And Marty Goldstein joining the program, fresh off the uh, Winnipeg campaign trails. So, uh, gentlemen, it's an absolute pleasure to have you all on the program tonight. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for hosting. Absolutely. So, first off, because 2022 has been an a pretty eventful year in terms of wrestling history. There's been some books that have come out this past year. There are some projects in the works. So I kind of want to, before we get into, you know, the real wrestling talk, I want to touch base with a couple of people and just uh, find out how uh, some of the projects have gone throughout this year. So maybe I'll start with yourself, Stephen. And how was the reception for the George Gordienko book that came out earlier this year? Uh well, you know, you always hope for more. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've I've certainly gotten good feedback, and I, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks, I mean, it, it is one of those projects, and I think I'm at the point where they all turn out this way. I, I conceptualize, and I execute what I had in mind. I, I did that exactly. I mean, whether that suits everybody's uh, taste. I, I don't know. I know there are people who simply want to read about wrestling when they read wrestling books, and I like to bring other things into the story. Uh, so those who've taken time to get hold of me certainly have been positive, and I, and I do appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the work on it because, you know, and Marty can attest to this too, you know, even here in Winnipeg, the Gordienko name is, you know, often... Uh, it, it, he's not well known here, and, and it's a, a lot of it is has to do with our our respective of Winnipeg sports history, and Manitoba sports history, and, and our relationship with professional wrestling. I'm sure me and Marty could go into a whole diatribe about that in a little bit, but uh, I personally appreciated the book. I thought it was tremendous, and uh, it was my pleasure to have you on for one of the highest rated podcasts that I ever actually did was that episode. So you would take some small solace in that, at least, I guess, Steve. Yeah, honestly, I mean, Gordienko is such a person. I, I think if I were, you know, even if I had a very small audience in mind, that's a project I would have undertaken. I mean, to, to me, he lived a life of that caliber. And, uh, you know, I think that book will have legs. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm happy with it. And I, I think uh, certainly it was time somebody did a project. Uh, devoted to the life of George Gordienko. I mean, just an amazing story. Absolutely. Well, that's the great thing about history. When it's told well and it's done right, legs is certainly something that it has. And and we see books that, 
you know, go in and out of print and come back in style. And, you know, they're out of the public view for years and they come back in with a vengeance. So, yeah, I just, I, I was thrilled with the work that you put in on that one. I appreciate that. And and also, if I may say, I, I really hope to get good news from you guys in Winnipeg, uh, uh, maybe next year concerning Gordienko's uh, induction, I hope, to the uh, the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. I mean, I do know my book played some role in helping Kaniski's case. Uh, and, you know, I'm hoping, you know, if if my work contributes even a tiny bit to getting that fellow inducted i mean he absolutely deserves it i will be overjoyed absolutely maybe i i don't think he they didn't marty correct me if i'm wrong but they haven't released a list of the manitoba sports hall of fame inductees this year have they no not that i'm aware of i'm uh, i'm <clears throat> my, my sense is in the coming year that the new city council is going to become abundantly familiar with the name Gordienko. Absolutely. Because they're all because they're <laughs> all stuck with me telling them about it. <laughs> and they know and, and a number of them, you know, there are supporters of the professional wrestling um, industry uh, on city council and adjacent to city politics, adjacent to city hall. Uh, and uh, they know that it's coming. Uh <laughs> Because there's current a current situation, the industry needs help with at City Hall at that level. But beyond that, um, uh, your your book, Stephen, is absolutely going to be the catalyst for uh, to ensure that the city recognizes a, a guy who who even now I come across in random searches stuff that I think I should be sending you, Stephen. Actually, mm. uh, of uh, you know from like. Um, screen captures of wrestling books or annuals or stuff from like Europe. And here's pictures of George that I've never seen before. And here's where I remind, where I remind the audience, I guess that uh, this is important to me because I'm also from the North end of Winnipeg. And uh, when we pestered my father into taking us to our first live wrestling event at the Winnipeg auditorium, uh, one of the reasons was George Gordienko was married. I, I don't know the last time he had been in, in Winnipeg, but he's making a very rare appearance back in his hometown booked in the second match against Rene Goulet in a purported battle of baby faces. And I was eight year old. He was beyond <laughs> horrified. I just turned and I was horrified. The Gordy ankle put his feet on the ropes to secure a pinfall pinfall victory. And <laughs> so I, <laughs> that was the first impression Gordy ankle made on me was cheating in front of his hometown fans, <laughs> but he was leaving and Goulet was sticking around. Right. <laughs> So I, it, that, that's coming, and I'm sure that uh, that there's going to be uh, success and an endorsement from city council to uh, for that would go a long way. I'm just talking out loud here, uh, uh, but it seems to me that would go a long way towards ensuring recognition is achieved at the uh, with the provincial sports hall of fame. Well, I'm looking forward to getting good news whenever it does happen. So on the topic of good news, someone who's... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Greg, you have your hand up. I, I wanted to follow up. Steve said that he had some trouble, like, people complaining about other parts of the book, where I'm assuming where he tries to give a little bit of historical background of what's going on at the time. And I think it's a common complaint because wrestling fans tend to exist in a vacuum, right? They don't always yeah. realize, oh, yeah, there's a bigger world out there. They can get so fixated on the wrestling that it's like, well, this happened because of this, 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 and this. There's 14,000 different things that happened to make that match there. But to them, it was just that match there at that moment. Yeah. Is that sort of the, 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 the guff you were getting, Steve? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was getting any guff. I would just say um, 
there are some people who think the book might be too big an undertaking, you know, to to get through. I mean, it's not that long. It's a hundred thousand and a few extra words. Um, <laughs> but you know, got one great why, forward. Why? 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 Why read the context? You know, why not get straight to the wrestling? I guess. <laughs> well, it, this is a generational change, Stephen. This is why this is occurring. Mm-hmm. Is that it's a generational change in the ability of people to sit with patience and focus their eyeballs on on a, on something where they have to turn pages, and and it's it, what's unfortunate is is this is a a manifestation of short attention span theater that's going on across society. You're not oh. going to be you're, you know like imagine what would happen nowadays um, if, if you tried to make your name as a playwright, for instance, Stephen, for yourself writing musicals. How many, you know, hour and a half long, how many Oklahomas, how many productions like that do you think we're going to be seeing from here on out? Uh, even Guys and Dolls, which I personally appeared at the Rainbow <laughs> Stage in Winnipeg. Like, I can't imagine how things like that could ever be mounted successfully moving forward. You know, new productions, because the audience isn't going to sit through it anymore. We see it. I see it on the wrestling shows that, that I do around around Man- around Winnipeg and and elsewhere is that to keep these people entertained for two hours now, it's it's a chore. It's it, the attention isn't there for the general public, which by no means denigrates the work that, that you put in. I mean, but he becomes more of a in their minds, it's an academic piece of work, even though to people like us, it's a historical yes. piece of work with context. But they yeah, look at it I, like, oh my god, this is like taking a university course. I can't do that. Yeah, uh, I know what something. I read. Yeah, I know what I set out to do, and. Uh... You know, I, I did that, so I'm I'm quite satisfied. But uh, I do know there is a segment of the wrestling fan audience that uh, would rather read something else. But that that's that's fine. I see BC well, nodding his head. We've had that conversation many many times about the short attention spans, <laughs> and you know that's something obviously we can we can touch on a little bit later. That kind of ties into one of the one of the topics I wanted to cover. But, uh, you know, so, something that's been getting a lot of coverage lately has been the Windsor uh, wrestling scene, specifically the history of it. And, and, Jamie, I just wanted to bring you in here a little bit and talk about uh, your research that's been going into your book. Every time I, uh, I think you've covered unsub- or uncovered something new, then there's, you know, you're following up with something brand new that I've never seen before, never heard before. So how's the research for the book coming? And uh, how have you found it, uh, you know, going back in the archives and really digging into the history of the, of the Windsor wrestling scene. It was, uh, I hadn't expect, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I, not at all what I expected even a year ago when I was sort of in the, uh, the early stages of even, even contemplating this. Um, I mean, I'd known that we had two WWE Hall of Famers in Kowalski and Abdul the Butcher, and I knew, you know, about Scott DeMore's connection and everything else, and there's a few other little things, but it wasn't until I was writing an article for uh, Last Word of Sports on Sandy Parker a couple of years ago and then discovering actually one of uh, the articles that was on, on Greg's site, Slam Wrestling, there about her, that I kind of noticed the Windsor connection that she'd moved here, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm curious who else, what, whatever, and... During the pandemic, I got a little bored, and I've got ADD <laughs> and OCD, so that led to a lot of rabbit holes and reading this. And next thing I know, I'm signing up to newspaper sites to go back, and I'm like, let's just see how far back this goes. And it went all the way back to 1929, and 
back then, of course, when they treated wrestling as uh, as legitimate in the sports pages, they had results the next day articles where it was the full. It was like reading a like a recap of last night's Raw or Dynamite or something, where it was like, here's what happened, here's how they won, here's who interfered, here's what was said between the matches, blah blah blah. So I read a hundred years worth of history almost of every single show. And it was like, okay, holy cow, this person started here. This person started here. This person's from here. Uh, and it just led more and more and more. And uh, so, yeah. And then, so when I, about five months in, I finally created the Facebook page and started promoting that and kind of said, okay, here's what I've got. And I thought I had a pretty solid uh, roadmap written and then all of a sudden, I had 80-year-old people c contacting me saying, oh, my dad was a wrestler, or oh, my uncle was a wrestler, or oh, my my aunt was dated this wrestler from Detroit. And next thing you know, they're opening up more avenues, more stories. Uh, I had people telling me stories that I could, didn't, couldn't follow up for for months. I, I had a friend who kept telling me a story of a guy, an old man who ran this video store here in Windsor called Reruns that apparently had the, the best wrestling video collection in southwestern Ontario. And uh, he'd always told the kids that he was a former wrestler and used to and was best friends with Killer Kowalski, and he had a photo of them both. Interesting. And uh, so everyone's been telling me for years, actually, do you know this guy? You know this guy? Nope, nope, nope. His name was John Friesinger. But it wasn't until about three or four, well, probably about a month or so ago, his son finally got a hold of me through the book. And I, I was I was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, I, I, by, this, by this point, it would have been years later. And I had just kind of thought this guy might have been a bit of a bullshit artist with the uh, the kids. <laughs> and maybe he was maybe, maybe he was obviously friends with Kowalski, but maybe he, you know, was just telling the kids he was a wrestler. And, his, and he was like, no, no, my dad competed as Johnny Hollick. And suddenly it was like I had Johnny Hollick on so many different cards but I couldn't find any info. I knew he was supposed to be part of this, the Hollick family, Stan Hollick, who became Stan Lazowski and Stan Nielsen later. He came in to replace his brother. And so I kind of knew he was the third brother, but he wasn't. The other two were legitimate, These two, but he was the, the non-legitimate. Well, I discovered that this guy who I couldn't place, because nobody knew his ring name. He never told the kids what his ring name was. So they only knew his real name. Yeah. So And there wasn't much documentation for him. He only lasted about three, four years, but he was doing the whole uh, Windsor, Detroit, Ohio, Chicago circuit for three years, appearing on TV at the Marigold. And it wasn't until a random clue that, oh, his ring name was this. So it's it's been like that for almost a year. And uh, seeing, I mean, one of the biggest things I, I, I discovered and what made me want to actually do the book in the first place was that so many books I'd read about Detroit or, or on a more national scale um, always uh, – kind of Windsor was a footnote that it was sort of a, a very one of the far satellites of the Tunnies in Toronto. And I think a lot of it was just lazy research kind of thinking that it was because that was the closest big Canadian market. But but everything I've discovered and found was that it was so intricately linked with Detroit. So, I mean, from starting out as, uh, as working partners with Adam Westmuller and then when he died, uh, they partnered with Harry Light, which, of course, once the NWA took off, Windsor became... Uh, Detroit's farm system. Uh, essentially, uh, he, Lewis Klein and uh, Bert Ruby were scout, would scout and train guys at the church here. And uh, he, they would bring guys, Al Half would send them prospects, and they would train them in Windsor here. 
And then they would kind of run Windsor for a year, year and a half to get their ring time and everything else before they kindly finally sent them out on the actual NWA circuit. So it was a pretty crazy thing. Like that was like when I was on here with, with the Don Eagle, like yeah, Don absolutely. Eagle was sent up here to, to, to work, uh, you know, and it was a good six, seven months before his uh, debut was documented in almost anywhere else. So these kind of things and, it's been pretty cool, and uh, I'm actually learning a lot from uh, from Stevens to uh, talk about his book because uh, I'm doing a lot of that. What Greg was mentioning, the referencing of uh, what, what's going on at the time to influence a lot of the things, and uh, mine was a cho- was a choice too that uh, I wanted to to appeal to local historians as well, not in Detroit and Windsor, that there was be something there for them to take. That if you weren't a wrestling fan, so. Uh, I mean, wrestling history is, is a niche unto itself that if I could at least have two niches there, that maybe it might help push a few more sales. <laughs> See, it's interesting, the point you bring up about, you know, you're doing a project and somebody brings you a piece of information and somebody else brings you a piece of information. That's probably why Greg Oliver has got about a thousand books that he's written at this point in time. I can't even keep track of how many he's got. Yeah. But uh, Greg, for yourself, obviously you've got a few projects on the works right now. You've had a few come out the past couple of years. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, what you've been up to lately and what's what's coming on the horizon for yourself. I just want to address a little bit what Jamie was talking about because he's a little bit new to this um, in the sense that, you know, he hasn't been writing about wrestling for 30 years. It's it's You don't need OCD to go down rabbit holes. <laughs> right? it, just, it just happens and... Yeah. I have stories that I haven't followed up on that are probably 20 years old and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you just got to accept that fact that, you know, you're not going to get every story you want. Um, It's impossible. That's why it's wonderful that these little niches have come along because you can't do it all. And I, I certainly at the beginning, when we look back to the early days of slam wrestling, I was the guy in Canadian wrestling. Uh, we had that Canadian Wrestling Hall of Fame, and people would contact me like that. And, and then there's some times you have to tell people, no, your your dad never really did wrestle, or your uncle didn't. I mean, I did the research. I can't find anything. I think yeah. he was just BSing you. So, anyways, don't don't be don't beat yourself up too much. Well, thank uh, you. Sort of the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, like stories percolate for years, uh, and then some days, you know, one morning you wake up and you, you have a lead in your head for a story that you hadn't worked on and you scribble it down and you work on that and then maybe you've got that piece. I, there's no rhyme or reason to anything sometimes and, and that goes for what I'm doing next. I don't know what my next project is. There's a few different things, uh, including some um, non-disclosure agreements coming my way. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been interesting. and I can't talk about some stuff, which is rare. Um but I've got a project with John Gibbons, the manager of the Blue Jays, That's coming right. out in April. That's I'm so excited about that. Uh, and again, there's that overlap that nobody exists in a bubble. While well, you talk to John, and he grew up in San Antonio, and he was a wrestling fan there growing up. So we can talk about you know seeing you know uh, who was a Mil Mascaras and those kind of guys. So wrestling's part of a bigger culture, and we often forget that. And so these little projects whether it's a gordienko or kaniski book or the windsor stuff or whatever marty's digging up like all these little things help build a more solid foundation for some of this stuff i guess is a good way to put it and and for the longest time i did i know i never did it alone but there weren't a lot of other people out there doing it in canada um but of course the other project is the medusa michelli book um and she's got her canadian ties too we'll wrestle it up in uh 
Winnipeg often with the AWA uh, in those early days of hers. And then um, then she toured, of course, across the country with uh, WWF. And so that, that book's incredible. It's insane all she did in her life. It's going to blow people's minds. And I'm incredibly proud of it. Um, not only trying to capture her voice, which was difficult enough because she's um, borderline nuts in some ways. <laughs> and and that's, that's said with real a lot of love because she's just been through so much and that she, that she can do so much in her life having gone through what she did is amazing, remarkable. But it's like standing in the eye of a hurricane when you try to deal with her. And uh, so that was a whole different experience to Don Gibbons who lies on the couch and tells your stories. <laughs> so every every project's different. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I don't know exactly what's next. Um, we keep running Slam Wrestling, and as long as the bills keep getting paid, I guess, we're not getting rich on it. Um, I'm sure we're not alone there. Um, it's a bit frustrating. I know I've, I've ranted to Marty a little bit occasionally. And there is that worry that uh, the younger fans don't, absorb things the same way but does that mean we don't do them that's the bigger that's the bigger question for the whole historian group it's like if i know nobody's going to read this you know 1500 word piece should i not do it and worry about just doing the latest AEW hit like who left or who took a dump like, like it's <laughs> stupid sometimes some of the stuff that's out there um but that that's just a rant and i appreciate you asking about my projects but yeah i don't know exactly what's signed at the moment for next but I do um, have a somewhat part-time job a little bit here and there where I do get to work with some incredible archives of Sport Magazine. Uh, we just did a magazine on the World Series champion Astros that came out like it went to press like a day and a half after the series ended. So I was responsible for a lot of the photos, a lot of the um, editing, all that kind of stuff. So I'm still involved with other projects besides wrestling, which I think helps you cal- keeps you healthy insane when you don't just have to deal with pro wrestling that was kind of the double-edged sword of uh my little foray into politics that i just got into which it took me away from the podcast you know which uh allowed me to refocus a little bit and get a get a better sense of what what i'm doing with it uh, to, to your point about you know you have an idea about a project then you you're wondering if anybody's going to care if you put that episode out or that in my um obviously my discipline but for yourself right is anybody going to read this article is anybody actually going to buy this book it's but it it should be out there regardless of it's such a it's a frustrating mindset to be in and it's such a catch-22 of you don't want to feel like you're wasting your time but at the same time you want to make sure that this stuff gets out there for um people to hopefully inspire some conversation and sometimes that can take years Right. Until that finds the right person. Absolutely. Those stories can be out there. And if it's a well-indexed site, and that's the one thing I will say about Slam compared to a lot of these, you know, rinky-dink sites or even podcasts, this and that, a lot of that text doesn't get referenced by Google. Right. Whereas ours comes up all the time because it's still almost all text. Like it's such a basic concept. But um, I think that helps a lot. And sometimes, yeah, it can be years later where somebody comes along and says, well, I read the story you did in 2011. I, here's a lead <laughs> on something else related to it. And you just, okay, let, let's work on it. And off we go. Absolutely. Well, like, like, like I said, it was that article on Slam Wrestling from, I think, 2016 about Sandy Parker that kickstarted my project last year. So, yep. 
Yeah, you never know. See, I took it. I took a dip out of. Uh, I traded podcasts for politics for a little bit, but there's somebody else on the call here, BC, who we haven't heard from yet, and BC's uh, doing some great work with the Wrestling with the Truth podcast. And although it's not historically minded, that show, we've had some great conversations about the history of the Atlantic uh, wrestling scene. Could you? Give her first off. You can introduce yourself naturally. So I'm sure that you're uh, the new kid on the block here a little bit. Although that's kind of interesting. I think I'm the youngest one in the room. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe talk a little bit about uh, um, first off what's happening with the program, but also what you've been learning as you've been going through uh, kind of the history of the Atlantic wrestling scene. And I know you've been going back and watching a lot of Mid Atlantic as well, which is kind of giving you a deeper appreciation for some of those stars that came from here. Yeah. Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me. And I'm trying to figure out how I stumbled into this uh, room <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I feel way out of my league here right now with the, uh, with the gentleman that I'm in, but uh, I'm truly enjoying this conversation. Just going uh, back to what you were saying about the, the attention span of people that are they're, they're consuming your product right now. I'm not I'm not a youngster. I'm 47, but uh, I can say keep please keep writing, keep writing. Uh, like these these books, these these uh, biographies, the history on it is just amazing to have that. And I love the fact that when somebody puts more context around uh, the story instead of just giving us the, uh, the the match stats or something like that. So that's what that's where you learn about this character and what they came from. We talk about it all the time ourselves. Uh, on our podcast about what's the point of, of this happening and why did this happen and, and all those things. So our podcast herself is, um, it's a mixture of both. It, it's the modern product, but we also have appreciation for the older stuff. Probably myself more than my co-host, Jay will readily, <laughs> readily admit that he's more, uh, he's not going to go back and watch some of that old stuff that goes on. I, I myself, I gobble it up like crazy. Um, being in Nova Scotia, of course, our, uh, our main uh, product that we were seeing when I was younger was Atlantic Grand Prix or International Wrestling or Eastern Sports, whatever you want to call it. But <clears throat> we were, you know, our hero was Leo Burke back in the day and then the, the Cormier family and, and all that. And uh, Big Stephen Pettipa and, and uh, all these different people that, that uh, some people recognize the names and some are like, who the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and then, but one thing that's been nice about this whole journey is uh, – I've been required to go even deeper. Like I've always had an appreciation of the history of wrestling, but this is really, uh, you know, you don't want to show up for, uh, for an episode unprepared. And, uh, and one of the things I've been doing is a deep dive. I, I honestly, I thought, um, I thought Andy, when, when you went into the politics, I thought maybe you had to cancel the podcast because of my poor contribution to the Don Jardine <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but yeah, even people like that, I mean, you grow, you get an appreciation for, some locals and, and we talked about Andy in, in our episode. Uh, I don't know what it is, but something about being from the Maritimes. It's almost like you have this attitude of uh, uh, we're lesser than or whatever, or we don't think that our stars are as big as some of the other stars from different territories. And uh, and then you find out the contribution that some of these people had, like say like a Leo Burke, who had such a contribution not on not just on Atlantic, but also on on the uh, the the Calgary scene and, and with the Hart family and, and, you know, even it did some stuff down with the NWA as well down South or, or Don Jardine, you know, who you don't appreciate until you actually go into the, to the history of somebody like that and realize what a massive star he was. And he's, here's a guy from St. John, New Brunswick, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. just in your backyard. 
so yeah, for us, it's uh, it's always a learning experience. I mean, uh, it's it's the authors like this that are that are you know helping that journey for us, which is amazing because. As a kid growing up trying to, to learn this stuff, it was just wrestling magazine. It was all kayfabe and things like that. And you were trying to piece together the history and find out who was doing what. And now it's like, an, pardon the pun, but an open book as to hear in the history of these these uh, these wrestlers. And it's amazing. It's an amazing journey. I just love it. That's you know what is, that's my favorite part about doing the podcast itself is is going back in back in time, if you will, and and learning about these people who some of them I've never heard of before. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. And uh, we've actually had our first run-in of the evening. Javier Ois, welcome to the program tonight. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I wasn't supposed to jump in before, was I? No, you're okay. I'm not sure. No, it's it's okay, uh, it's just it's a classic... Uh, fashion, it, it, not, yeah, not yeah, it's cra- crash, anything, right? crash the party. You Somebody shows up, nobody knocks, they just come in. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as you brought enough beer for everybody, that's the most important thing. <laughs> it's nerve-wracking <laughs> because you got I'm, I, I, there's no there's no topic. You don't give me a heads up on what you're all talking about, so um, we're just diving in, I guess. You know? We absolutely are. <laughs> well, you know what? Before that, because you had missed a bit of a conversation that we had about uh, about the need to continuously write articles about people who maybe don't uh, necessarily have. Uh, the biggest name in history or maybe their their story has never really been told and that's something that you've been really good at on pro wrestling stories so maybe just before we get into the first topic i want to cover tonight maybe just talk a little bit about the importance of shining a spotlight on some of these stories that you know even if people may not know the person how important these stories are to the greater fabric of uh pro wrestling history well first of all i want to say good evening to everyone here um i'm familiar pretty much with everyone's work or uh, you know, Greg is Greg is a, is a newcomer to, to to all this, right? He's a <laughs> yeah, brand new. <laughs> yeah, Greg is Greg is Greg is still learning the ropes there. <laughs> I'll figure no, it but out. I wanna, but uh, no, I've I've had the opportunity to to, to write articles and uh, and uh, you know, I'm always trying to read different books out there, different uh, interesting topics that 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 maybe need need a little more investigating something something to to dive deeper into and i think it's important because every every single person involved in wrestling at some point has a has a different story to tell and not all the uh not all the superstars are are the best people to interview sometimes and sometimes they are some of the some just of the left guys that they aren't the best people yeah <laughs> i mean i mean you're you're right i mean but the, you know they're all human beings, and uh, yeah, there's some interviews are rougher than others, and 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 there's some people that are totally open to telling you everything, and and and, and just a, a joy to talk about. But uh, but I I just love the fact when 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 authors are trying to um, have people learn about uh, topics and wrestlers and and promotions and territories that maybe maybe are not discussed as as widely. Like every day on the every day on social media, you'll have. Uh, same attitude area pictures you'll have you know the same thing same things every week but um when you when you find something really special and different that's that's worth uh looking into you know absolutely you can only scroll through facebook so many times to see those this guy versus this guy post who wins and uh... oh no i can't i can't stand those <laughs> but i cannot i don't i don't even do fantasy football so when you say who would win between <laughs> piper and uh 
you know, uh, what's his name? You know, and and I would, I'm, I'm thinking what era in their primes? It, it, it's it's totally different era. It, it doesn't work that way. And, and plus, it's a work. So give me a break. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wait, wrestling's a work? No, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Therapy. I'm supposed to be in a rumble in two weeks. <laughs> you're, you're in trouble, then, Marty. I, if it, if, it, if it changes something, he has to clue me in, eh? <laughs> Marty might have. Yeah, Marty's going to be in a a fifty man battle royal to earn his shot at the CWA championship here in, in Winnipeg right in a couple I of am. weeks. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm waiting to see that corkscrew come out in, in, in live and in living the, color. Let me let me back up if I can for just one second uh, on a couple of the things that have been raised uh, by by the other guests. Uh, Windsor wrestling history interests me because when I was a kid, my all my first cousins, pretty much on my mom's side of the family, of which there was five in one family and four in the other, they grew up in Windsor. And so the, the first vacation and really the only vacations we took were to visit my uh, my mom's sisters, uh, you know, uh, my family uh, in Windsor, Ontario. And I did actually manage to catch um, uh the Detroit TV with the, uh, I guess that was probably UHF, eh? Uh, trying to hone in on the Channel 26 or something. So I did see a little bit, and I, I was surprised by how really disinterested my cousins were in wrestling. Um, they they weren't crazy about the Detroit product, and they, in particular, they didn't care for Athol Layton doing play-by-play. But they had no familiarity with Windsor history outside of Kowalski, and I think there was, there might have been a Jewish guy that had been a wrestler and in Windsor also. I mean, there surely was. Uh, but they, they were really, you know, far less interested in Windsor wrestling history than I was. So I've actually, Jamie, been very happy to to see the work that's come out and, and that kind of history emerge because, you know, the corollary of being interested in Windsor wrestling was being interested in Detroit and, Mich- and, and in Michigan wrestling. Uh, when, when Medusa came up, Greg, I, I just want to mention that uh, – in the earliest days of my DJing career at the zoo in Winnipeg, there was a, a guy there who became a business mentor to me. He was a big sports fan. He tried out for the Bombers, a big wrestling fan. And he was a customs agent. And when he got to know me, he used to sit uh, just outside the DJ booth and tell me stories about the different celebrities and athletes that would go through the Winnipeg airport in his day. And his favorite by far was Medusa. Head and shoulders above everybody else he met, Everybody else he ever talked with, anyone else's bag that he went through, <laughs> she, was, she was by far his, his favorite. And the other thing I just wanted to mention was when the name Leo Burke came up, I worked with Leo actually on my birthday of all things in 1984. A fine way to impress your wife when you're a young man is, oh, no, we're not going to go out for my birthday. I'll go do this, this wrestling show. And Leo was uh, in the main event uh, against uh, Johnny Weaver. And this is in Winnipeg. And uh, there had been a discussion a while ago. I don't remember where it was about uh, the history of the North American title. And that Leo, I guess, the Stomper had taken it to the hey. East Coast and something like that. Uh, and and the, it sort of terminated the, the history with whatever, you know, wherever it was. It's like, well, no, he defended it in Winnipeg. And sure enough, this past week, speaking of digging things up, I dug up the press clipping that I planted in the newspaper in the free press <laughs> back then of Burke's successful title defense at Winnipeg against Weaver, thereby extending the history. I have confirmation of extending the history 
of the North American title being defended uh, in, in Burke's lineage. And it's that goofy little stuff like that where we can't find our car keys half the time, but, <laughs> but where we're always thrilled to find obscure minutia of matches. And like Greg, that football player, who is that football player I found a couple of years ago that uh, mysteriously had, had like four matches in Ohio? And, right, and right. Yeah, you're right. I remember. never heard of it? Marion. Molly yeah, Marion. Yeah. Marion Molly. Yeah. This great fullback, and he like he wrestled. How did I not know that? So we will guys like us will always come across stuff like this, and one of the reasons we pursue it is because we we value the contributions that they made to our communities and to the in our cases the Canadian fabric. Because when we talk about wrestling, when you go from coast to coast, whether it's a guy like Leo Burke or somebody like Mad Dog Vachon or 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 even Eric Froelich uh, and and so many other stars that work coast to coast, or in you know in my case, I was lucky at a lot of friends that work the maritime with Leo with Leo and Stephen Pettipaw, right? That you mentioned earlier. I know guys who wrestled with Pettipaw; they were crazy about it, but they wrestled with him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> And so this history, it's important because they all contributed to a common, sort of a common understanding of what constituted Canadian sports culture, I think. So I just want to mention that even in the things that we're touching on, there's still a very good and deep connection to them, even in my own life and some of the some of my own research. And that's one of the reasons why I really value this community. Because we all bring something to the table, even we don't know we know something. Well, and it's funny you mentioned bringing some to the table because we have our uh, our other run-in of the evening. Heath McCoy just joined the program. Although I think he might have a piece of pizza going on. So, But Heath, how are you I doing, do. man? I got pizza, I got my pizza, and I got my beer. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I was just when I came in. <laughs> well, now you... What are the toppings? What are my toppings? Man, it's a capricosa. I got I got the ham, I got the artichokes, I got olives. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, 100% it's kosher, good to hear. <laughs> so now i think i think uh you know what now that he's here it's probably a good time to uh to jump into one of the topics i wanted to cover maybe i'll give him a minute to eat his dinner and he can he can jump in when he has a second but no no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just got some sustenance while we're going <laughs> absolutely so you know one of the big topics obviously why we're all here is because we're all fans of interested in wrestling history um you know we've <laughs> danced around it a lot touched on it a lot in the conversation tonight so far you know talking about the territories what was happening across canada and the territories are seem to be a topic that is kind of in vogue again nowadays but maybe not for the right reasons and obviously we've seen what's happened with the dark side of the ring um programs i'm not going to touch on that but i do want to touch on this notion that now with this um Oh, what do they call? What's the what's the new show about the territories that they have? Tales from the tales from the territories, from the territories. From... and they just did the stampede one, which is why Heath is perfect time that you're on here. But with this notion now that it seems to be that the territories are getting focused, but it almost looks like they're getting focused for the wrong reasons, right? <laughs> it's all about the crazy stories, or it's right, all about like, this. Keeps freezing, I think. Yeah, or or are you guys still all there? Yeah, yeah okay. it froze up for a minute there, at least for me. All right. 
Well, the, the wonderful joys of Skype, so hopefully we can keep this thing rolling. But uh, there's going to be no edits tonight, no post-production, the raw and unedited program tonight. But So this notion that these territory programs, you know, we see it with the Young Rock. We see it, you know, it, they did touch on it with the Dark Side of the Ring. But it's this this weird retelling of of what happened in the territories, but it's not really what happened. Um, I have my own opinions. I'll share them in a minute, but I kind of wanted to go around the table and kind of hear what everybody thinks about how the territories are being covered nowadays. Um, you know, whether it's superficially or not, or whether it's on these programs that are maybe not uh, historically accurate or not. Um, BC, maybe, maybe I'll have you kick it off. What's your opinion of, of the, first off, the amount of, of coverage that the territories seem to have been getting almost overnight it seems over the last year and maybe speak to what you think about uh, uh, the depth of how it's being covered well um yeah it really seems to be a hot issue right now um i think people are seeing the chance to capitalize on some some nostalgia at the moment and anything the rock is tied to i know is going to have a slant to it for sure i'm some of the territories I wasn't too familiar with as far as its pure history and some, uh, you know, I'm sitting there watching it and going, that, I don't remember those stories or those type of things. And the AWA one was interesting because Ken Patera, I don't know if there's anything that he was talked about that was true or not, but uh, it was it was all pretty interesting. But yeah, it's, um, I think people, they're play again. We we talked about earlier the the attention span of, of the audience right now is, is not the greatest, and I think they're playing into that. So let's cut to some really juicy stories and some quick snippets of it. I mean, we know from the dark side of the ring stuff that that they focus on the negative side of it, which is unfortunate. I I was really hoping when we were going into this that it was going to be a lot more um, historically accurate and a lot more of the positive side of it, but. Uh, it is what it is, I guess, with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I'd much rather jump on YouTube and go, like you say, go down the rabbit hole and see a bunch of uh, independent people that are doing a lot more legwork on looking up these uh, the information on the territories and some of these mainstream shows, if you ask me. Now, Greg, for yourself, because of uh, the nature of these programs, they're, and I'll use the air quotes here, they're historically based – when these programs come out, do you see a lot of traffic on your site, for example, of people trying to find out if these stories are actually true or are they trying to research this or, or maybe learn a little bit more about these territories? Um, I'll go back further. There's been a few times over the years where documentarians get in touch with me, obviously because I'm easy to find and I know my stuff, and they'll start talking about a subject and I'll say, okay, well, they're going to tell you this, 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 and this. And only this and this are true. And I'll tell a documentarian this. But what ends up in the show? The stuff that's more exciting. Yeah. Right? That's that's just, we talked about human nature earlier. Unfortunately, that's a reality. I don't think it happens as much in print. And, and Heath can probably talk to that a little bit more. Just because he's had so much more time in the daily newspaper life in the, in the past than I ever did. Um, but it's it's just a weird thing. TV is meant to catch your eyeballs, right? And, and entertain you in a way that a written word isn't. A written word is supposed to be informative and legitimate. And it's supposed to be, of course, you know, in this day and age when anybody can do a book tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, it doesn't mean as much as it used to. Um, and, no. and that's not knocking people who do self-publish their books. It's just 
the fact is that, you know, there's a different process when you go through an actual publisher and it gets lawyered and all these things and it goes out the press. Anyways, that, that that's my immediate thought. I, I've, I've been paid a little bit by Darkseid for help here and there, um, and which, again, they should. I know my stuff. If they need somebody to help them find things, I, I do know where a lot of the bodies are buried. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Marty, just before you lose the train of thought about the AWA episode, I'm not sure if you were able to watch that or, or if you're able to corroborate, if you will, any of the uh, Kempatera stories. Uh, I haven't uh, seen it, so I, I can't delve into it i had my own dealings briefly with Kipatera in the 1990 or so or 91 and he was already a clearly a colorful individual uh, i i myself broke in in the territorial era and uh there are some episodes of these uh, these programs that we're discussing and i, I do have a perspective about these, this kind of programming uh but there's episodes that that have been uh come up lately uh that uh I'm not unfamiliar with the subject matter in particular. Anytime the name or the face of Lars Anderson comes up, um, I had my own dealings with <laughs> Lars in it, in his, in the early eighties and, and reaching in Hawaii because he, uh, he helped afford the opportunity uh, for a couple of guys that I, that, that uh, were around when I broke in, uh, in new brand wrestling to actually work, uh, over like Christmas time or whatever in the in Hawaii in the Hawaii territory, uh, and there's three or four guys I think that went from Winnipeg over a period of time, and and Lars worked with us, and there was a very famous half shoot between him and Chris Pepper that unfolded in the main event where somebody ended up with a broken finger, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, so some of this you know I, I I'm well familiar with what a what the behavior and the characteristics of some of these individuals were contemporaneous to when things are unfolding, it just to, to harken back to Heath, for instance, and his fine book, there are things I would be reading about in that book and other books about the Stampede territory that I remember hearing about in our locker room. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, and, and so some of this, I, I have, you know, I'm more personally, not me individually, but more personally interested in, but I'll tell you overall, I think it's terrible. I know that my old partner playboy, Doug McCall agrees. Uh, it, the first problem is when you when when their liberties taken with the telling of a story, you then have to unwind the urban myths that that result. When people meet you, oh, you're a wrestler, oh, you this or oh, you that, they find out you have any connection to the business. Then they start repeating this stuff, and the next thing you know, you know, uh, you know, like Kevin Lowe had a Gordie Howe hat trick one night or something. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> and 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 so you have to unwind these what I would refer to like sports myths, you know, last second field goals weren't last second field goals and such things. And it's, it's not a, it's not healthy for, I don't view it as being healthy for in, for things like that to be, um, uh, done through, through a creative lens to that extent. It, it's, it's not fair to the people that are still, still around to live through some of these things. But then again, you know, having lived in Hollywood, the last thing they care about is anybody else. <laughs> so, so they're not going to care about what a bunch of little wrestlers think. I think, you know, a, a, uh, if if this craze continues, then at some point, uh, maybe we will see some sort of a revival of a, uh, you know, some kind of f program format of barnstorming Canadians on the Cana on the prairies <laughs> in the early 1980s. 
but again, even that would have to be sanitized for family markets because life on the road was rambunctious to say the least. Even, you know, e- even in the smallest of outfits, you had the biggest of characters pass through sometimes. In our case, you know, like every time I see Ron Pope come up, the Magnificent Zulu come up online, I just bust a gut laughing because we dealt with him too. And, and that guy's that there's, there's lots of, you know, we know about him in terms of his visit, his visit to Winnipeg, never been written about. The flip side of the coin is a guy like Dean Higuchi or, or my buddy Moondog Moretti, who also came here and imparted so much wisdom and professionalism to the to the Winnipeg guys. And there are a lot of Winnipeg guys that learn from them. Uh, the Rick Patterson's, the Brian Jules, the D- Doug McCall's that were then able to go on to work in the territories and such things. So, uh, you know, if more stories were told about the positive characters that passed through our lives and made the territories so special, I'd appreciate it much more than the fictionalized versions that are trying to spike ratings, personally. So obviously I just, uh, you can't see it because this is not a video podcast, but I just, I had my Stampede Wrestling Bible uh, right next to me here. (laughs) Which is which is interesting because we just had this stampede. Ah, oh, there we go, another one of them. Um, Javier Ois is now displaying the hey. the fine piece of literature. Uh, so Heath, did you watch the stampede wrestling one? You know what? No, uh, and I'm scared to. I don't want to watch it because 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 I know that uh, I, I'm so close to the subject matter. And to be honest, I haven't watched that show at all yet, and I really want to. I want. I want I'm. I'm dying to watch the Andy Kaufman. I'm dying to watch the AWA. I want to watch it. I haven't gotten around to it yet. But the Stampede one, I want to watch the least. Like I'm so mm-hmm. trepidatious about yep. that one because because I I'm so close to the subject matter. I already know the format of the show, and I already know kind of know what they covered and everything. And I just I just really am sus- very suspicious that they are not going to do it justice. Everything I, 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 I we're all saying here right now. It tells me that they're probably not going to do it justice. And uh, I mean, I'm going to watch it eventually. Um, I think it's great who they brought together for that, like Dr. D and Abdullah and Brett and you know Bobby Bass. That that was that was a cool little roundtable they had going for for it. Um, yeah, I'm just. It was like it was like Greg was saying. They go for they they go for this salacious the all the salacious stuff. There's the word. Yeah. Yeah, it's the salacious <laughs> stuff, and they're not. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're not focused on the. And you know, it's an hour show. I think they, they they're not focused on the balanced accounts and everything. And, and they've got they've got dark side of the ring and the huge ratings that that had to go with. And that was focused on all the negative stuff and the dark stuff and the salacious stuff. So I think they're doing the same thing with with the tales of the territories. But yeah, um, yeah, that's why I've kind of been holding off and watching the Stampede one. You guys tell me, how was it? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, we may as well open this up. Did anybody in the chat here watch the Stampede Wrestling one? And, and if so, what did you think of it? I want. I wanted to ask Heath, did, did they, I guess they didn't contact you at all? Nope. No. Nope, what, really? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I find that ridiculous. That's, I'm blown away by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a little. Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was at least that. That yeah, I kind of thought it was weird too. But that's all right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. And and to be fair, like I mean, they're gonna take Brett over me. They're gonna take <laughs> Doctor D over me. But I mean, even as a consultant, sort of thing on some stuff, or like to. But they've never reached out actually. The Dark Side guys about none of the 
then there's some some of the stuff that they've they've touched on that I would you know I have some knowledge in and, and uh, done some research in. But yeah, for some reason, I haven't heard from them. But you know I've the heard people from a who, few who people who asked, well, why wasn't Ross Hart on there? Why wasn't Bruce on there? Oh God, yeah, have you Ross ever dealt Hart. with them? They can't say anything in thirty minutes. No, there's no way. <laughs> I know that's, this is true, man. This is true. But but Ross is the damn bible for that stuff. I mean, he should. Ross is a living bible on Stampede Wrestling. He's the he's a living encyclopedia on the stuff. I mean, yeah, but yeah. Ross, but but that know. connect that just goes back to a debate I had with Ross where we exchanged emails. It was the um, somebody died who'd been in Stampede. Who was the uh, the little guy? I'm trying to the artist. Um, oh, what? Just, just recently, just died. Where's my brain going? Um, the um, but Ross was all upset. Mike Hammer? No, no, no. Oh. More, more recently, um, the, Marty, you and I talked about him. Uh, he died in the car fire with the heart attack. Oh, jeez, Jesus! Oh, oh, oh! Ah, nice from Winnipeg. Yeah. Anyways, okay, sorry, but my point was, Ross is all upset. I didn't include all this, the the titles and and all the things that he did. And it's like Ross, I did that in the first story I did on in like 2006. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not going to repeat it all in an obituary. An obituary Yo, should Hayes. be about the person. Yeah, it should be about the person. It should be about their their. Um, I don't know. They should tell the story of their life a little bit, right? And the, 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 the Gil Hayes story is a perfect example. That, that's that. it. It was the Gil Hayes story. That's exactly that was that, one. That I was, was a perfect example. Yeah, I'm not going to duplicate and, myself, Ross. And and but I mean, that's what he expects out of it, and that's fine. Yeah, but you can also put, like, I know on your obituaries, you always have the links at the bottom about the related articles that you've done previously. So, I mean, it's there. You you, yep. you, you may have not gone word for word for whatever, but, like, because I'm, obviously, I've been on SlamWrestling.net a few times over the past few years, but. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> hey, that, that Gil Hayes story got the approval of a member of uh, the Prime Minister's cabinet. Dan Vandell yep. grew up in Winnipeg as a fan of of Gil Hayes when he was doing the club shows really? around town. And I sent that story to, to Dan. I, I, you know, I had to break the news to him because this was his favorite wrestler as a kid. And for a number of years, I, anytime I came, even that obscure little interview with the uh, Gil and uh, that came up on YouTube uh, from Puerto Rico around 79 or 80 or something. And that's the only time I've seen, I've seen any video of Gil Hayes talking. And I sent that to Dan Vandell and he very much appreciated it. Uh, and and you're right. The, the the story there, not to not to interrupt you, Heath, but the story about Gil Hayes was the story of his life, not the story of his titles. A guy like that. Yeah, I mean, you touch on the titles, but but it's it's more. Uh, uh, when I wrote my book, and we're talking we're talking about the, the the you know the salaciousness and everything, and the way they're presenting the territories and everything, and and I can see why they want to do it. I can see why they want to you know touch on that stuff for you know for the ratings and, and because. There's drama. There's drama in all that, in all that Wild West crazy stuff of, of the territories. And you can see why people would romanticize that those times. But to, to just focus on that stuff, like I, I did that in my book. I wanted to focus on the, the human, the human drama and the stories. I, I envisioned my book almost like a, um, you know, almost like I, I envisioned it like a movie. This how this would unfold as a movie, like the the Godfather of wrestling or something. You know, but at the same time. I didn't just focus. There's a way to do it that it's not so salacious and it's not so, you know, you're not just focusing on the dirt. You're also trying to, 
you know, you're, you're getting, you're telling a more balanced account and you're getting the human side of it as well and not just the dirty side of it. And that's what I see coming across. That's what I see happening a lot with the, you know, the territory stuff that we're talking about. See, I know we're, we're talking a lot about the Stampede one because obviously look who's in the room here. But uh, like Jamie, for yourself, when that episode came out was because obviously Abdullah's from Windsor. Was, was there anything in Windsor about that episode? Yeah. Was there any coverage in media about that? You know, I haven't watched it yet for very similar reasons. I, I only watched the first episode, the Memphis one, and uh, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy what I saw, but it very much seemed like it was only t- going to be touching on uh, more controversially uh, obscure... No, not obscure, but subterfuge and that kind of stuff that it, I, I wasn't sure if I was ready to commit to watching it every week. So I've, I've only seen the first one, to be honest. I think there's a Portland one, Steven. I'm not sure if, if that one's come out. If uh, BC's nodding his head. I'm not sure if it's come out or not. It has. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Did, yeah, did you it, catch it, that it, one, Steven? Yeah. Since I'm living in that region, I took a look at it. I mean, the first thing that came to mind, in advance was, you know, who's going to be on the panel. I'm familiar yes. with the format. And, you know, I'm, I'm not drawn to that salacious stuff unless um, the members of the panel are such that they're going to make those stories entertaining. I mean, I enjoyed the Memphis story with Lawler and Jimmy Hart, Dutch Mantel. If you get those guys around the table, uh, they will generally entertain you whether you can bank on what they're saying or not um the 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 people commenting on the portland territory uh you know were not quite of that caliber shall we say so i didn't find it entertaining i didn't find it particularly enlightening um uh i've i've sort of I suppose been weaned off that show. I did take a look since it was Portland, and I'm living in Washington. But um, I, you know, I, I didn't find any of that context I like. You know, if, if I've got an hour to devote to the historical side of wrestling, I'd rather go on YouTube and watch an old Dumont show. Or you know, I've been working on a Wilbur Snyder biography. Of, I, I've enjoyed looking at the old wow. LA footage. You know, I, I'd rather go straight to the source than than listen to a lot of these stories, unless the the storytellers are really gifted. See, it's interesting. You know, you know, salacious is a term that's been brought up a few times. And like Javier, for yourself, a, a lot of the stories covered on pro wrestling stories are are they are of the salacious matter. But for yourself, yeah. what, what's the balance for? Because you got to you got to talk about what happened, but how do you talk about it in a way that presents it with the proper context? And do you think you can actually do that in an hour program? Well, when when you talk about those hour programs, it reminds me when people try to to make a book like a like a science fiction book into a movie, into a two hour movie. These these books are about this thick. Yeah, they're one hundred fifty pages volumes. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, and I bet you the, the people with, uh, with the Stampede uh, wrestling episode, I maybe they didn't contact Heath, but I'm sure they have his book right there. I'm sure they got highlighted parts and circled areas where, look, this is what we wanted to talk about. This, um, 
it's imp- I, I find it impossible for them not to have even uh, uh, skimmed through Heath's book, but for for them not to have contacted him is that's 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 pretty ridiculous. But when it comes to pro wrestling stories, I write for them, and there's different authors and and different and, and different stories are, are are greenlit. A lot of my stories do deal with uh, certain things that kind of like wow did that really happen? But but when I'm writing them, I don't want to be known as that guy who's writing about the worst of the worst. So, of course, you have to have a hook. You have to have some kind of headline that draws the, the, the reader in. And there has to be some kind of balance in the in the uh, in the story, in the, in the article. If not, it would be what, two paragraphs, you know, that maybe the hook can be something a little bit out there. But the main, the, the 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 meat and the bones and the and the body of the of the story of the article has to be eighty percent of of historical of, of historical importance, I would say, you know, because at the end of the day, my name is on that article, so I I do want balance, I do want quality, and but we are entertaining people, and and there has to be a balance, and but those shows we're, we're talking about, I really think it's kind of like a like a the junk food version of of if you want to know about the territories why this stuff is the kind of stuff that it could be entertaining but you literally have to kind of leave your brain in a drawer (laughs) back there somewhere and you just kind of watch it if you're nitpicking it you will you will tear it apart but in my opinion just like a lot of people on the panel have have commented if you want to learn about the territories read the books of a lot of the people on this panel read those books or, or go on, on, on YouTube, but from people who really do know their stuff. And, uh, it's an interesting topic, but definitely go, go straight, go read a, read a book. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, read it's, a it's book, gonna, kids. you're going to get, you're going to get much better information, more complete uh, out of any of these uh, shows, which again, can be entertaining, but it's, they got such a limited time and they have to, they have to, not lose the the attention of the viewer. That's the that seems like the huge uh, thing, you know. It's and I understand it totally, but, but uh, it is what it is. Let's put it that way. That, that's the that's, only way I can explain it. Right? Well, absolutely, they, they are what they are. <laughs> and that that's why I was curious, like Greg, if you saw any different traffic on on Slam Wrestling, if people were after these episodes air, or or even when they released the episode listing, if you if you notice an uptick of people trying to find the actual story or. or you know, learn the, the what really happened in these territories rather than the, you know, I know we've said the word salacious a hundred times by now at this point, but it's an apt word. So if they're just I, worried about that. I, I'm not sure I've really studied that, but what we have found is things like even like the A&E biographies. Like when we do report on those, I think people are reading like the report that say a Dave Hillhouse does on Slam um, and then considering whether to invest the time to watch it. Oh, interesting. That's, that, that's, the, that's the difference in our days, right? You can, you can watch on demand. So instead of reporting on something in the newspaper the next day, the way we used to do, um, now what we're doing is we're giving a teaser. Here, this is what this episode's about. If it sounds like it's up for you, go watch it. And then you can go stream it. So it's a different kind of information that you're providing people these days. I'm not sure. There's obviously going to be some research, and there always is, and one of the fun things, and Marty will attest to this because he gets our newsletter occasionally, the internal newsletter, is that occasionally a story will spike for no reason. And you have yeah. no idea why did 200 people 
click on this old story about I don't, Luther Lindsay or something like, at that particular <laughs> moment. I don't know. Somebody shared it somewhere and it got talked about and you, you yep. can't always find the source. And that's, Sometimes that's, it'll just be this organic pickup. Yeah, exactly. You don't know why. And that's cool. And it means that people are learning. And isn't that what we were just talking about? You don't know that about, you know, people going into the newspaper archives and saying, well, I, I'm reading, you know, he's piece that he did on Stu Hart back, you know, when he died in 2001, wasn't it? Um, you, you, we're not getting that kind of information, but we can get that instant info when we're looking at the, the numbers on a website. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, what you said about, you know, people waiting to watch a program to see if it's worth it. That's an, something I didn't think about, actually. That's that's an interesting topic you brought up. And I guess, that you know, obviously, if everybody by now knows kind of my position on a lot of the history stuff. I'd rather get the history and have the facts presented. And you, you can decide, you being the viewer can decide if it's salacious or not. But if it's pre- presented properly, but... I don't know. I have a hard time with with the over dramatization of of a lot of the events that have happened in in wrestling history. And oh yeah, Heath, yeah, you're okay though right now. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Yeah, you sometimes you get frozen up and you're like doing your best karate oh, really? impression. Do I freeze up? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know it was me. Sorry. But I guess that's that's my concern about programs like this. Is is are we going to dilute the history of the of wrestling and the these moments and these territories so much that people are because they have short attention spans that they're not going to go back and look at anything they're just going to go to their friends and say oh yeah um i don't know abdul the butcher for example to use you know jamie's uh uh resident there uh yeah he just went and carved a bunch of people and never did anything else right if, if that's if that's the narrative and it's per- pervasive and that's the thing that gets carried forward. I guess that's my big my big worry about um, programs and projects like this. I'm not sure if anybody else feels the same way. But I th- I think you know that's that's kind of like where it's going because, for example, online articles. There's an interesting number out there. If someone is on your article for six, seven, eight minutes, that's a lot of time for someone to be on one article. So uh, that's that kind of gives you a little bit of, of how it sees uh, an indicator of how much people can actually focus on on one topic. Seven, six, seven minutes is is is, is good if they're on on your page for that long on your article. So uh, people are I don't want to say people like everyone, but but not everyone likes to read. And, and, and if they don't get the info they want when they want it and they're not being entertained. They're, they're, they'll just go elsewhere. That's what. That's how they're formulating these uh, these uh, these shows. You know. Yeah, attention spans uh, are, are are lower now. It's suffered, and actually, journalism suffers for it too. You got the clickbait culture, and so because of clickbait culture, you don't have these. You know, Greg, you were talking about how print used to be the place for you, you a little bit more of an in depth coverage. You're not just doing the soundbite stuff that TV does, but that's suffered now too because so much of this stuff is online. So much is just, is just clickbait, like just get everybody in and, you know, get him in for that three minutes or whatever, because six minutes is a great read you know, by today's standards. But, you know, you want him in and out in two, two, three minutes sort of thing, and they just read the headline. And you look at the content, too, and it's it's not researched. It's it's sort of there's there's errors in it. It just 
uh, I mean, it's a larger story about the state of journalism in general. But if we're talking about wrestling journalism and, you know, the, and the, the way the territories have covered now are covered now, I think that I think that factors in. I hope I'm not freezing up. Am I still freezing up? For <laughs> yeah. It makes for a great visual. Dramatic. You are, but the audio's audio's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe I'll just shut off my my visual. Maybe that'll be better. Then we'll miss the beer. <laughs> yeah, you didn't bring it up for the rest of us. So I'm still mad about that one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll be better. But but we used to always joke at Slime Wrestling again because we stood out because we were so different than everybody else, especially when we started that pro wrestling journalism was an oxymoron and cause it is, it's like, and it's even gotten worse. Like, you know, anybody can write about wrestling now. They don't have to have any credentials. They don't have to have a journalism background. And it's, again, it's back to the rant I did a little bit earlier about writing in general. You know, you could, you know, the, the dude next door can have a book out tomorrow and, and he's been a gardener his whole life and that's fine. <laughs> you know, the, 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 everything's been, leveled off to make everything more accessible and that doesn't mean it makes them all good just makes them more accessible so uh, that's that's certainly the case with wrestling journalism too and i i don't know if any of you guys have ever sat in on the um let's say like the tony Khan media calls uh that they just had one the other day i, I sent i a, see a bc's already got a sly smile happening <laughs> who, who's never been to one before and he just shook his head afterwards and said greg i can't believe some the fanboys on there like you know it's just so insulting to somebody like me, who's, you know, did the proper journalism training and spent, you know, your 10 years working in the trenches in the newspaper and, and the burgeoning online newspaper world. And, you know, and then you see, yeah, this kind of stuff happen. It's it's frustrating, but it's also reality. I mean, that's why we have kids, don't we? So we get, <laughs> you know, shaken awake and said, you know, dad, get over it and move on. It gives us all the opportunity to be the old man yelling at clouds, I guess. Um, <laughs> then they're done. Party, party's the expert. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Huh? Yeah, BC, the you were shaking your... Is... Sorry, go ahead, Marty. Sorry about that. Or uh, not Heath. I'm not sure who who hopped in there. Yeah, that was me. Um, the, the, the problem with, with, with what you're saying too, Greg, is that, yeah, there's this glut of, of voices now online and and some of them are qualified voices that have you know that have really done the research like yourself and then there's other people that are just like some some fanboy just spewing you know shit out there and and it's uh but the the people that are consuming this stuff often don't know the difference like they often don't uh, yeah. know that your word is not equal to the guy that you know this fanboy that's that's spewing you know rumors and and, and you know cockamamie theories and stuff and so it, it, and again, this is, this translates to all of journalism, not just wrestling journalism, but it, it really does, it kind of just destroys the, the way we're consuming it. It, 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 it just, it de- degrades the whole thing. It degrades the way people are, are taking it in. It degrades the quality of the journalism and, and it, and it, it kind of takes away. And that's why, and that this creates a climate where this, you know, again, that word salacious, where this salacious stuff can can thrive because people there people don't want to have the deeper story as as much anymore because they don't even they don't you know this is an old man yelling at the cloud too but but they don't even <laughs> yeah. that's going to be in the title of your uh the, the show i think old, i think old. we just found the title of the show yeah <laughs> holiday special old men yelling at clouds <laughs> yeah. 
but what what Heath and Greg are saying, it's it ha- it's happening and it's been happening in mainstream sports for a while now. There's a uh, there's there are a, a, a people a lot of people who are doing the, a really good job in, in in sports journalism, and then there you can tell there's others who run some kind of page or website, and uh and uh, it's just it's not it's not the same. But the people are consuming everything out there, and if it's free, that's what they're consuming most of all. You know, they're they're, they're not gonna they don't want to be paying for a dollar a month for access to whatever paper. A dollar a month? How dare you charge me to 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 get my information? You know, ninety nine cents a month? No, I'm I'm going for free for on on Facebook and Twitter and all and all that mess. You know, for free. You know, that's how that's how a lot of people think. You know. Well, and you get what you pay for, I suppose, on that part of it too. Yeah. Like I know my yeah. my newspapers dot com subscription is, you know, that thing's been a lifesaver for me because it's, you know, even like Jamie was saying, you know, back in our earlier conversation, you know, you, you can go back and you can actually get the get the story, right? So I I found, you know, there's um. A tidbit of information that comes on maybe one of these programs, and uh, that doesn't really sound quite right. So I'll go back and I'll, you know, pull up the newspapers for the time. Okay, yeah, here's what what's actually happening. Yeah, you're right, Javier. Like if you know people are so they can't be bothered to pay it all or whatever it is. I guess. Well, that's why my my <laughs> broadcast is free ninety nine. So I guess there's that too. But <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's you- a it's a sad state of of affairs. Sorry, BC. I'll get you on, on one second, but. You know, it, it's it's disappointing almost that this is where we've gotten. I guess maybe I'm just on a soapbox, and uh, I guess I'll die on that soapbox. So, uh, BC, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, it's just but interesting. The pos- but the positive, go go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's just interesting that Greg brought up the uh, the the Tony Khan, whatever you want to call those sessions. Oh there. God! And I remember the, the first time I heard those. I was thinking to myself, how many actual uh, reporters are there that have a journalism degree, right? That are actually asking these questions because it's pretty pathetic to listen to some of the, some of the questions that are coming, especially when they're announcing beforehand that they're nervous to be talking to the wrestler themselves. Like that's well, kind of that scary. The, but that tells you the quality of person that's being handed out a journalism degree. Exactly. And, and this also speaks. <laughs> oh, Greg's already. The, no, there's no journalism degrees there. I think Greg can attest to that this, one. This also speaks yeah. to the so-called professionalization of the. Uh, of the of journalism of the, the practice of journalism and, and the capture of it by an academic by a, an area of academia that's looking to soak kids for for crecom uh tuition and for this uh, for for these kinds of things and they end up funneling people into these, these positions into these uh uh seats in these uh uh courses that have absolutely no aptitude and no business being into it because a lot of them are, are essentially PR majors, and and uh, sorry to butt in, but one of the problems is unlike me, people like me, who learned this trade because we were avid fans uh, of it and interested in it, and followed radio news and followed television news uh, uh, from not just you know the local market, but in those days you're listening to radio from in my case Detroit, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Louis. Uh, we were people that went in with uh, and learned, you know, from the ground floor up, but we didn't have to walk in with some certificate handed out by people who'd never broken a story in their life, proclaiming that somehow we were now trained to go cover a city council meeting. You know, they, they, they this, these, this idea of a journalism certificate conveying legitimacy 
it's it's part of the problem. Instead of people being funneled into learning the news business and learning sports reporting organically, yeah, kid, we'll open the door, come in and do Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, you didn't go and spend twelve grand at you know some college somewhere. That's that's it's the keeners that you want in businesses like this, not the people that are doing it because they're looking for a job and you know something where they might be able to be you know be a fanboy. Well, the fanboy issue, I think that's the biggest problem with like the Tony Khan thing specifically. Like, like, we're going to talk about that specifically, I suppose. And like Greg, you would know how many people there are actual journalists because you you listen to the and it's so and so from some obscure website or it's so-and-so from some podcast or it's somebody's kid. Right. And, and, <laughs> and there's no, there's no, somebody's kid. well, there is. And that, that, that was, uh, Cornette's great for this. Cause he'll go through the, the, the goddamn things and we don't know the ridiculous things, but anyways, but it, you know, it's what a sad state of, I, I don't know how we got on this topic, but boy, oh boy, it's just like, Greg, you would know how many actual journalists are like, how many, reporters who are are focused on wrestling who have that as their as their main i guess subject how many are actual journalists and how many are just some fanboy like you would know that well i i you don't always know how many people are on a call number one right but sometimes you get the questions and they ask things uh the impact ones are even worse if you can believe that uh, I I the, can the believe that. There, I know some of the people that get on those calls. They're, yeah, so they're they're a lot more international, and you get these people from France or India or whatever on these impact calls, and they're just it's even worse. But um, yeah, I mean Marty's got an excellent point. You can be a great writer and a great journalist without some of that degree, um, but I think some of those lessons that. Are, they're just not getting imparted on people, right? Because because you can start from the ground level up and do whatever you want. Uh, there's nobody there telling you, well, you know, you, you really need to have the picture breathe and you need to have the person's head off to the side, not in the center. That's better visually. And little things you learn like that from a veteran copy editor, you know, serve you the rest of your life. And there's nobody really imparting all that on the on a lot of these guys. Now, I do that. A ton, and I, I've had people go on to other things, and and they look back in their time as slam, and and they like to think I like to think that I was a good editor for them to help them reach some of those next levels, because um, there's often not those people, as Marty was talking about, that know their craft, that are taking the time to help these people. Uh, well, that's I, what's I think missing. You've sort of struck on something here that instead of having staff newsrooms that would provide the the guidance, the on, the hands-on guidance, and and you know uh, help um, cub reporters uh, discern the important lessons through trial and error. Now they've offloaded the, that kind of training. They've offloaded it to these courses that simply don't simulate real life whatsoever, because the focus is on extracting tuition money out of the students and not on on fostering growth in their skills as a reporter or as a journalist. Who's doing all that noise? I think Jamie's typing. Jamie's Jamie's typing, okay. (laughs) He's looking up tuition costs. Yeah. Okay, but but that is possible. The newsrooms themselves don't exist. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's the problem, Greg, exactly. 
you know, so the, the, that copy editor is now in, in Post Media's case is based in Hamilton. Yeah. And you could be filing your story from anywhere. So you're never actually sitting down with somebody to get those little lessons. Anyways, we, we need to get back to wrestling here. Yeah, yeah we've gone on quite the tangent. But it, you know what? It's interesting because we have so many different people who have written and do different. And like someone like Steven, who's written up on politics too, right? Different. But it's 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 nice to have this perspective, right? Because this is not something that I would even um, have a tough time with. You know, because I'm not a writer by any stretch of the imagination. That's not something I've been good at my entire life, like math. But <laughs> so it's nice to have this kind of perspective from everybody else in the room who who does this. So I'm enjoying the conversation. But yes, we will we'll get back into some uh, some form of wrestling here. Uh, Jamie had to leave. Jamie will catch you later. I'm sure he'll listen to the program later and and uh, we'll touch base. But. I, he, so if everybody got fired up about that topic, here's another one that may be equally, and BC's already got a smile going. Obviously, we've seen uh, discussion of Hall of Fames be a big topic of conversation, especially in America, what happened in uh, New York, then Texas, then back to New York, and what's still happening in Texas. If anybody is not familiar with that uh, situation, I'm, I'm more than happy to fill in, but I wanted I want to get a a sense from everybody in the room what do people think about uh and obviously we have some people here who are not from canada but please chime in anyways because you bo- both have written about people from canada so you have a unique perspective on this as well what does everybody think about a centralized canadian wrestling hall of fame and does anybody th- or do any of you in the room i suppose is proper to say it think that that's something that's actually feasible that would actually do something uh positive for the state of, of professional wrestling history here in Canada. You got millions to lose. Why not? Like <laughs> you look at how too much trouble we've had, even with our Canada sports hall of fame in Calgary and, and their financial issues and all the things gone on there. And, you know, it's a massive undertaking. Um, I think the way to go are just little tidbits here and there. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, the, at the Windsor library and I know Jamie left, but you know, the Windsor Library has a little section somewhere where they could put up a history of the wrestling history in, in the city. Like, you're just never going to get anything on a national basis. Canada has enough trouble agreeing on anything anyway. <laughs> God, is that ever true? I mean, even the, the Walk of Fame is a joke. Uh, you know, so let's let's forget the idea of anything national. That's, that's my two cents anyway. Because, you know, in Toronto, I have more, you know, in common with the people in Buffalo than I do with the guys out East or the guys out West. It's just the natural way that the, the world here, like of Canada. So I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Well, I'm inclined to agree with you, Greg, that uh, wrestling in Canada is best celebrated regionally. Um, I, you know, for ourselves, we've, uh, we've done all of fame ceremonies and uh, uh, all those Although there hasn't been a formal discussion yet, there will be in the new year about having about reviving it. This is a, a our own version here in Winnipeg, the Western Canadian Wrestling Hall of Fame, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. But that's um, that isn't really a big picture. We're not about to have a ceremony trying to induct uh, the Crusher or something. That's that's much more focused on the Canadian, you know, the Canadian scene, right? The Canadian level, and and Winnipeg's a bit of an exception, I guess, and that. You know, our Major League Wrestling was entirely AWA with remarkably few homegrown stars, by surely by design. 
of 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 uh, Vern Gagne and, and those before him because they they learned the lesson. It was I guess Steve Kozak who uh, they 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 crossed him the wrong way, and the next thing you know, the guy's promoting his own shows in the late '40s, I think it was, and 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 upsetting the apple cart. Um, in in any event, it's not something that's feasible to try to celebrate nationally because after the 1950s, outside of the Vancouver uh, All Star Wrestling tape, there was no national promotion, no promotion that was seen nationally. In Winnipeg, we did not see Stampede, for instance, until uh, March, I think, of yeah, March and April of 1986. So Stampede Wrestling means like Dave Rule means nothing in Winnipeg. Like less than nothing. Nobody nobody cares about him here. Uh, now, I'm just saying it, that's the reality. In the meantime, um, if, in terms of Vancouver, the Brute, right, or or the Tolis Brothers, they have meaning in in Winnipeg because we saw them on TV for for a year or two or three. John Tolis, this case, uh, many years. Don Leo, Jonathan. So, as a national endeavor, doesn't doesn't really work. And I don't know. I don't know who would win the fight between Toronto and Montreal and the Maritimes to try to host it. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I when I think about it, I mean, there were so many powerful territories and in, 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 um, in, uh, so many colorful territories, so many great homegrown people that came out of Canada. Um, I think a Canada, a, you know, a Canadian Wrestling Hall of Fame would be would be fantastic, and just to, to, to look at Canada as a country. And and and, uh, and just you know you know each year highlight somebody from a certain promotion or whatever like kind of do it the way the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does it even though the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is another whole story about how lame that is but 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 I think I think I think Canada the Canadian wrestling scene does warrant a, a Hall of Fame that would enco- you know would encompass all the territories but yeah what would be the audience for it. Who Greg said, you know, who's got a couple million dollars to lose? Who's going to do it? How are they going to govern the thing? How are they going to put it together? In an I in a utopian world, it would be amazing to have it. But yeah, how? How? I would love to see it though. I mean, that'd be great if they had a Canadian uh, uh, wrestling Hall of Fame. And I think that I think we warrant it. I think we've got a we've got a powerful enough. We had a powerful enough seen in Canada from from territory to territory that it would it would be a cool thing I would warn I'd love to see it I just don't know how you how it would ever be possible it it's important to note here that the Museum of Civilization is working on a wrestling exhibit that's supposed to open I think it's in March oh cool Something like that Pat leprod has been working with them a bit so it'll probably nice. be a little bit too French but uh, <laughs> that's okay too. So that, that, for those unfamiliar um it's uh it's in Hull Quebec, right across, or what's that called, Gatineau now, um, right across the river from Ottawa. Uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful museum. I've been there for the hockey exhibits, and they gave us a tour of the backstage when I went with my cool. hockey store buddies. So some of our wrestling history is actually being preserved. I think that's our biggest hope, right? Not something public uh, for, the, for the public to attend kind of yeah. thing, but more importantly that if there's places like the Glenmore Archives that actually take the time to archive some of this stuff, so it's there forever. Yeah. Um, you know that that's more important to me than uh, something that somebody's going to go pay five bucks to go wander around and, and leave. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, the Glenbow does have a little. Uh, it, it's a tiny. It's a little thing. They got their Mavericks uh, exhibition. That's just a sort of ongoing thing. And uh, <clears throat> Stu Hart's one of the Calgary Mavericks. So he's if you can go up there, you can see Stu Hart's 
you know, I don't know, one of the original North American belts or the Canadian heavyweight belt uh, from which was before the North American belt. And, and you know, there's a picture of Stu and there's a little bit of a, a story about him there and stuff. So, yeah, that kind of stuff. Places like the Glembo as well do a, a little bit. They don't do enough, but they, they're, they're archiving it as well and making it, you know, having it be remembered. I see BC was getting ready to fire up a fight about having the uh, the Hall of Fame out in the Maritimes, so. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'd like to see people traveling from far and wide to come to come here for it. But I, I, I agree with what everybody's saying. I mean, it's difficult to have a physical Hall of Fame itself. I mean, yeah. there, it just there's no there's no monetary uh, success with that. But there's got to be something. There's got to be something to keep this the the history of this alive whether it's online whether it's archives as you say that kind of stuff and my other concern is there's just not as much interest with people nowadays uh to look into this history it's either you got somebody who's just so dedicated to to looking into this or people just don't care and now you there's so many wrestling fans that are influenced by the whole wwe uh history of it or now the <laughs> AEW history and they think the WWE Hall of Fame some legitimate thing or whatever and it's just it's so watered down but so mm-hmm. you're really somebody who's interested in a Hall of Fame for Canada is going to be it, it's so it's so important I remember uh, you know I mean I was sort of the, the Calgary Herald's guy I'm not with the Calgary Herald and I haven't been for 10 years now but I was the Calgary Herald's guy that kept stuff you know, that when Bad News Island died, I was like, guys, this is a big story. And here's why we here's why we got to do a story about Bad News Island, who, who a lot of people, you know, it had forgotten about. But I'm like, this is a significant dude. Since I've been gone, like when, when Archie Goldie died, they did nothing. Wow. One of the, That's I mean, ridiculous. Archie Goldie, man, one of the TV, I, I, TV actually did something. Somebody came and talked to me. I, I did some. I, it's such a long time ago now. I did. A, I did. a. I did something online and then, you know, some, and, and then, and then somebody from the TV actually came and talked to me about Archie Goldie, but like the Calgary Herald didn't do, didn't do anything on when Archie Goldie died. And, and I, and I, I kind of thought I should have been out there pushing for it, but you know, I just didn't, it's not my job anymore. And I've just, you know, and I didn't have time, but yeah, that that's a different rant though, Heath, because they had my piece. I was part of the post-media empire. They could have just taken it. Yeah, yeah, and then that's true too. Yeah, Calgary, Calgary didn't take your piece. Like unreal. Yeah. Yeah, they they had the rights to do that the whole time. They never yeah. did. My stuff went up maybe two, three times. Because you we wrote it so for the National unreal. Post, right? It, well, Post Media owned it all, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's ridiculous. The Calgary didn't pick it up. Yeah, ridiculous. Whatever. Of all places. Of all it's places. Nice yeah. Yeah, I had never, I mean, this hadn't occurred to me before, but I mean, the fact is the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Albany is, I just looked up the distance, it's 160 miles to the Canadian border. I mean, I think it is far-fetched probably to, you know, consider a, a physical location for a Hall of Fame, but if somebody did it, you know, it, it may be worth looking into doing something in conjunction with that new Hall of Fame, just, you know. Don't get me uh, started. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the 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 new women's hall of fame that just got announced is already doing something with them um, uh, in Albany. But they they so what they have in Albany is a room at the arena, the big arena in Albany. 
And of course, Albany is like an AHL level rink, so it seats, I don't know, 10,000. Are they right? still so the River Rats like, there, or they've the changed the name Center. now? So, yeah, exactly. So they have yeah. a room there. That's all they have. And they have no storage. They have nothing. They, they don't have any big plans, Steve. They're waiting for government grants to come through or begging to do it. it it's, it's, it's a very, very early process for them. They got a long way to go before anyone else is going to partner with them. Um, yeah. That, but you, it's a good point. I'm glad they're out there, and I hope they succeed. The guys in Iowa are a lot more legitimate. Um, they have a lot of storage space. They have a lot of um, stuff they've been preserving. But again, their interest is more about amateur. And then the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame down in Wichita is a whole gong show. Um, but most of the, a lot of the historical papers have made the way to actual historians in uh, Tim Hornbaker and Stephen Johnson. So there's hope for some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I was at the Waterloo induction this year for the first time. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what goes on the rest of the year. But if, you know, if, if Canada could put something together that, you know, drew those, you know, 500 avid fans across the country who would, you know, put up some money to attend a ceremony. I mean, if somebody could pull that off, that would be great. I mean, the rest of the year would probably be nothing but planning for an annual event. I mean, it's hard to think of something that would sustain itself week to week. You know, you'd have to... Uh, it, 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 <laughs> I, 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 would, I would attend. I guess we all would probably attend, but um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the, the five million to invest in that right now. <laughs> what? Didn't your Gordienko book do that? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. You're waiting for the royalties. Right? Yeah, the royalties are still rolling in. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe, you know, uh, Greg, I'm sure you got it. Or, you know, maybe we can maybe we can pool. But uh, <laughs> it, be... it would be great. But, it, yeah, it's hard to imagine. I, I want to know how big that pool is. That's what I'm curious about. Uh, Javier, obviously you're, you're in El Salvador. Is there anything that you guys have that's maybe not a physical Hall of Fame, but do you have any kind of preservation of history there, or, or what? What the, uh, the preservation of history in, here in El Salvador of, of wrestling and wrestlers, or the wrestlers who are still alive and the and 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 the ones that want to share their stories. But is any do you have big collectors out there? Like, is anybody collecting this stuff? Is anybody, um, you know, keeping their eye on it? Like, what what what's uh, what's happening over there? Well, it, it a lot of that stuff. Um, I actually had had one of their championship belts. I was until they unified it with another one. Literally, I had it back here in bag. A championship wow. belt who had who had like twenty twenty five some years a Central American version of a. The El Salvador Championship, but Central America version. And before the show, unify it with uh, with with the guy who's going to get it. Before the show, I was in my backyard scrubbing the 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 red felt, uh, you know, basically the belt on on the side. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, I'm this is kind of interesting. If people would even know that this belt, this historic belt from our region, is is getting scrubbed by me to, to cuz it had been it had been uh stored stored somewhere and it just was the the smell of dust was so impregnated into it so I did my part preserving the belt helping out uh 
But back to your question, no, there's nothing here of that sort. I mean, it, it would. It, it's my forte is is writing in English. If if my strength was writing in Spanish, I could I could do something and, and write about the history of, of, of wrestling in El Salvador here. But I've done about three articles on that when I've been able to interview uh, a lot of the, 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 the veteran wrestlers from here. And uh, so that was fun. But uh, here it's it's an uphill battle. Wrestling here has kind of been almost non-existent for the past 20 years. It's it hasn't disappeared. But from 2000 onward, it's been it's been kind of a, a struggle. Less fans. Um, and 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 it, and it really attaches itself to WWE's success. If WWE becomes popular, there's an interest in wrestling here. But most of the style of wrestling here in El Salvador is more of a lucha libre style, like Mexico. So uh, we, whatever, if Mexico's doing well and the United States is doing well with their wrestling, then then the interest here picks up. If not. Uh, soccer's the number one uh, spectator <laughs> sport by far. I guess there's just there's so much stuff out there still that people are still coming across it and finding in attics or, or you know in basements or you know their grandparents have this newspaper clipping or whatever. I guess you know maybe a, a small part of me it just doesn't want to see this stuff disappear forever because you know as we all know like when once history's gone it's gone and it's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. If you know, obviously, I think we're all in agreement that maybe a national hall of fame doesn't work. But if, if something regional would work, I'm not sure. But it would be a shame to lose a lot of this. What's out there for history, and uh, but I don't know how you preserve it outside of, you know, I guess private collectors. But that's not the answer either, because then you never really know what's happening with it. It, it, there just needs to be the acknowledgement that pro wrestling is part of our culture and deserves the same respect that other professions have gotten. And that's not going to happen. So, I mean, you're not going to have the museums opening up their arms to take collections the way they would if it's a hockey collector who, had, you know, gathered up stuff for, you know, 40 years. That's just the reality. Yeah. Um, sad but true. Can you got you to... Yeah. Go to Herb Simmons' house. That's a, that's a museum right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. And there are lots of people like that. <laughs> yeah, wrestling's still, I mean, yeah, wrestling's still regarded in the mainstream. I mean, it's huge. It's a, it's a huge part of the pop culture, but it's still regarded, you know, as kind of a, you know, kind of a joke, kind of a dirty, or something you sweep under the carpet or whatever. I, I always think about the Calgary Stampede. The Calgary Stampede here, uh, Stampede Wrestling, was I mean Stampede Wrestling attached itself to the Calgary Stampede, but the Calgary Stampede benefited from Stampede Wrestling. Like for from the fifties to the eighties, it was it was a uh, you know Stu would bring in the Andre the Giants of the world and everything for for the, the big Stampede. You know that was sort of the WrestleMania of Stampede Wrestling. You drink the Calgary Stampede, you'd have that huge you know thing where you pull out all the stops and bring out bring in all the guys and everything. And that was a that was a an attraction. Of, of the Calgary Stampede and, and you know, and the, and there, the, the Stampede Corral would be sold out for, for matches. And, uh, and, and it, it, you know, the, uh, Stampede wrestling would be a part of the, you know, the Calgary Stampede parade, which was, you know, right gone, went, you know, was broadcast right across Canada and stuff. And yet the, it, the Calgary Stampede sort of 
doesn't really like when they get into their history when they talk about their history and the way they've archived their history stampede wrestling is like this tiny little like, thing they barely acknowledge and it's like it was be, and i think it's that it's that whole thing it's like ah oh, we're kind of embarrassed about this so we're not really going to give it its due and i think that's what happens with 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 wrestling that it, it in the in the mainstream even though it's so mainstream and the wwe couldn't be this you know you know a huge thing it's it's still regarded as sort of a kind of a joke you know maybe that's why we have yeah, such a, it, sorry go ahead no just just i think out of so many years so many decades and decades ever since pro wrestling became a thing I, I i think people in the mainstream still don't get it they don't get what it is and they criticize it for what it isn't but yeah. they don't understand it and since wrestling is not is not mainstream sport it's not theater it's not movies it's it is an art form it is a combination of a whole bunch of things where pro wrestling is its own thing so the only people the only group of people, persons that will be able would be able to give it the respect that it deserves would be wrestling people because wrestling people understand it. Not in people in mainstream sports, they could enjoy WWE and watch uh, watch it a little, but they're not going to have the passion that wrestling fans do. But what the people who who if someone makes this museum, it has to be. Yes, someone who's passionate about it, but someone who has a business sense, someone who has a business plan, people who have have back. Uh, people, investors who are who are who buy into the concept. It can't just be uh, let's let's a bunch of fanboys get together and make a hall of fame. That's that's not that's going to fail on day one. No, that would that's, just that's be an thing. AEW uh, very, presser. It's, it's very complicated. I guess maybe that, the, I, I was going to say that's why the, the bunch of fanboys. It sounds like an AEW presser, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess maybe an interesting point you brought up about you know mainstream public not really recognizing the, what these you know men women have done in professional wrestling how it translates to you know sporting culture and canadian culture in general maybe that's why like steven uh, like how many years does it did it take for um Kaniski to get into the hall of fame right like it was just last year he was inducted for example oh uh, more than a dozen i think but a dozen yeah so i mean it's it Maybe that's a big part of it too, because there's not that respect factor. Maybe from from the mainstream consciousness of of what these men and women actually meant to the fabric of Canada. Maybe that's why. I don't know. It's it's such an it's an odd thing. Thing is, wrestling doesn't do itself any favors either. For for all the Gordienkos and the Kaniskis you have, you have a bunch of people in wrestling who just brought it down with with you know, maybe silly gimmicks or stupidity or promoters, et cetera, et cetera. So it, when wrestling reaches a certain level of respectability, it's the same wrestling people that have brought it down at, at some point. You know, you got all, you got all these, you got writers like Greg and, and, and you know, people who, who, who have wrestling on this very high level, very, very respectable level, historians who do their research, but the, the people in wrestling and Itself, they kind of crap on, on on it by themselves. So how do we expect the mainstream to respect it when sometimes wrestling and wrestlers don't even respect themselves? As you know, uh, can only defend it so much. The end, it's like a, it's like a you know, it's a carnival. It's like a circus. That's entertainment. You know. Yeah, that goes right? back to now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that goes that people don't understand it. Because I would argue that the gimmicks, I mean, there's some ridiculous gimmicks too, but gimmicks have been a part of professional and, and before that gimmicks, I guess I can see what you say, that gimmicks diminish it a little bit before the public, but it's also what's what's cool about it too. It's also what's cool about it. It's what makes people, it what it's what makes it as huge as it is. And, and uh, but yeah, I guess I'm, I'm spinning my tires here, but, but, but yeah, I think it, it, it you don't want to take away. I mean, they, you don't want to take away the characters. You don't want to take no. away the personality of wrestling because if if you do, then it then it's it's more like it goes back to like an amateur style or like yeah. if if you if you listen to the to the uh, the interviews of mainstream uh, athletes, yeah, we got to do our best and we got to practice hard and we got to do this and this. They're like robots yeah. talking, <laughs> and then and then you. And 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 then the pro wrestlers when you they would interview him before not now too much but before those promos were so amazing I I think I enjoy watching promos more now than when I was young because they're so refreshing they're so sincere and they're so they and it's the characters that 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 just flourish just that's what makes pro wrestling amazing and entertaining to watch and that's when the, the less it's the less they uh, try to pigeonhole and script things. I, think I it's, hate, yeah. It's just, just let them, let them, let the personality shine. You know. Let's talk about the death of the promo and 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 the the overscripted nature of of today's uh, wrestling scene. I mean, that's that's kind of why I tuned out and why if we talk about modern wrestling, I I've got limited, more limited things to say because I don't. Uh, I've I the, the the organic way that they used to allow a Ric Flair or Roddy Piper. Even a bad news Allen or people like this who gave amazing promos, the way they allowed those people to develop their personalities. And, you know, they didn't go in there with these hard scripts. Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, I, I maybe maybe later on they it became more scripted for them. But but I don't think they're the wrestlers today are allowed to develop that. At least certainly not in the WWE, are not allowed to develop their personalities like that, right? Because they're more like actors with a script. And and you can tell that they're actors with a script, and, and and so they can't develop their characters the way they naturally would, like because because they have to follow this rigid script. And uh, there's a fear yeah. too, probably because since you know the shareholders and it's a big corporation now, yeah. they want they have to control, micromanage every every little thing, you know. Yeah. And I think they're I think the product suffers. There's excellent Dude. excellent athletes. On WWE, AEW, the athleticism is is off the charts, but the characters and the storylines and all that is there's it's it's in my opinion it's it's missing. I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to be 45 in a couple of months, so I've I, I I saw the tail end of the territories, and it's not. Yeah, and I love to I love the, the old school stuff. I like to go back, and I I love nothing more than to go on YouTube and. And look at you know, you know whatever you can kind of cull from YouTube and find old territorial stuff that way, and and read the writings that people you know the people who have actually researched it and knew about it do, and that's that's the kind of thing that I that I delve into. Yeah, in terms I mean, of Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes could never happen today. The, the character that Dusty Rhodes developed just naturally by being coming out there and you know being being dusty roads and just allowing that to develop like i don't think a, a character like that could happen now because you see a link to the past in mjf and and some of his work uh, these days yeah absolutely yeah. um yeah he's probably the only 
deliverer of promos I actually enjoy watching anymore. I mean, if I know he's going to do it, I will at least tape the show and uh, try to catch what he does. I mean, I find him exceptionally entertaining, and I'm wondering, you know, if he does eventually end up in the other, you know, in the larger company. The evil empire. (laughs) (laughs) Going to choke him out, yeah. Well, Marty, so this is a good question for you because you're obviously on you know, modern wrestling shows. We all know that you're going to win the 50 man battle Royal in a couple of weeks here, but uh, for, for yourself, everybody, is... but the other 49 guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, but they don't know it yet. What do you see on the road from the younger, you know, men and women coming up? Are they, do they get the, cause really on the road in the small towns where they should be developing a lot of these skills that it doesn't seem to be happening. And like, you've seen me at how many shows, right? You almost don't, you, you see a willingness for them not to get on the mic and not to present themselves. So what, what's missing? What's what's happening there on, on the local scene? Um, you, you, okay, if I work with your suggestion that, uh, the, suge- the consensus suggestion seems to be that one thing that is missing from modern product is the personality development, the organic personality development, yes. as opposed to the scripted development i think you <clears throat> probably now around the winnipeg area you've seen enough shows that you've seen that any time that i go up to someone especially after a match uh and that'll happen maybe twice maybe twice in a show uh where i will go up to someone after a match and elicit uh, a comment or try to provoke a comment from them you can tell that none of those are in any way scripted rehearsed discussed thought about whatsoever and there's i don't know that there's any time where after the match in winnipeg anyone knows whether i will or will not come up to them with the microphone and one of the things that's missing is in the way that the modern shows are structured uh you don't have a tv show where the guys are are pounding out promos even the way we did when i broke in and we had tv we were pounding out promos with regards to, you know, shows in different markets or, you know, it, uh, four different markets if the show, the TV show itself wasn't in a different market. But you're putting out an interview about uh, the match in Winnipeg and in this case, maybe going to Thompson or Brandon or places like that. Uh, nothing structured now for the guys to to have that, that uh, regimentation, okay? The shows themselves, the live events themselves aren't built you know they're built for they're built for guys to do promos, which is an entirely different beast than doing an interview. And it's in the interview where character is developed in that back and forth with an announcer, with a commentator. That's how that is is elucidated from from inside the wrestlers themselves. Uh, so the the modern day events and CWE, which is who we're talking about in terms of who I work with yes. in the Winnipeg market, those shows aren't designed. For those spots, I may insert those interview spots into the show based on how I read the crowd and how I read the match and and a couple of other factors. Sometimes I've done it because we need to kill a few a few minutes of time. <laughs> I would much prefer. Listen, I would much prefer if it was up to me. And this isn't a point of contention between me and the and the promotion or or any of the shows I've done locally. But personally, I would always build in interviews with guys like at the beginning of the show. I'd build in an interview with with Greg about his his match coming up before intermission or something. That's my nature to build the interest in a show, but it also gives the guy exposure to somebody with a microphone where you can go back and forth. The expectation of a lot of these guys when they're training now and when they're being trained is, and you're going to have to develop a character. And now they leave it up to the guys, and maybe they try to 
pull a little bit out in the training matches. But that's just a ridiculous expectation. In my opinion, the first thing a wrestler has to learn to do is wrestle. And he's got to learn to get beat. He's got to learn how to take a beating. He's got to learn what happens if he gets lost. And you worry about the character development after those fundamentals are there. Because all the character in the world goes out the window when a guy gets lost two minutes into a match, turns around the wrong way, and eats one right in the chops. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Right? And, and, and so I think that the way that the modern shows are structured, because they don't incorporate not promos, but rather interviews... That's one of the things where, where, where those skills aren't being developed. I think we're lucky in CWE that, that the promotion here has, and I'm only going to speak locally about them, but they've been very diligent in trying to give guys a very good wrestling grounding. And, and, and you know what? You see yourself on the events that you've attended. So you see guys like um, uh, 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 Cheeks, Josh Holiday. Yep. There, there's a kid who's been trained trained start out refereeing sammy peppers uh, trained hard learned by refereeing we've got another referee who's going to be debuting on the uh on the uh 50 man rumble to remember uh merv unger the guy who's been refereeing is merv unger jr is going to be donning the tights for his first formal match but these are guys that are not just like thrown in the ring and the worst thing is nowadays you see promotions that throw guys in the ring and they don't even have them there to get beat on to be a tomato can Right, they put them in, and they think they're going to be competitive. That's and a tremendous you know, turn of phrase. <laughs> That's an old time phrase, right? I mean, listen, I was proud to be at the level where I could have been a tomato can on TV. Even that required a little bit of ability, a little bit of of, of you know uh, exceptional comprehension of what you're trying to do in the ring. Instead, what do you get nowadays? Is you know these skinny boys. Most of them are uh, you know. Th- listen, there's a lot of you talk about fanboys in journalism. Then there, how about the fanboys in the locker rooms? I give vault. It's it's terrible here in Winnipeg. There's some degree of control on it. Certainly, CWE tries to make sure that the guys that are coming in listen. You want to see something funny? I'll send you one of these days. I'll send you the pictures of the boys sitting around listening to Scott Flash Norton when he did that seminar, and he had them out of the palm of his hand. And he just sat at the table. We pushed two tables together. He just sat there talking with those boys for two hours, and their hair was on end. Hearing him <laughs> talk about Korea, talk about Japan, talk about breaking in at the tail end of the territorial days, being with Ken Patera. Uh, the, the mentorship is a thing that's lacking, and along with the mentorship is the style of the programs that are being put on in front of the people. Everybody's supposed to act like a star instead of learn how to be a star. That's what's missing is those, those building blocks. And I know, I know BC agrees. Well, it's interesting. I do. You gotta go I ahead, do. BC. <laughs> no, we just talk, we talk about it all the time on our podcast. Uh, what what it's missing right now is that Mean Gene type character, Lance Russell, somebody that's going to carry somebody through uh, an an interview as opposed to just giving somebody a mic to die on the spot, and then yeah. they, get, they get judged by from for the next year or something like that, even though they were, they weren't given yeah. any direction. But well, you got to mean ask Gene. Let me ask yep. our esteemed host on any of the shows that you've seen that, that I where I've been handling the microphone. Have you seen anybody die on the on the mic? <laughs> no, because you, you give them something at least, right? It's it's never a. You're very good at at uh, not giving them the paint by numbers. Like, how was your match? What did you think about this move? You know, you give them something to feed on, right? And they can get into that, which you don't see on, like AEW. They just take the. Mike go to Tony Schiavone's hand half the time. He doesn't even get to interview them. 
right? You don't see you don't see a, a stick man like you used to, even like an Ed Whalen, right? When he would engage them in the ring and stampede. And I've, you know, everybody can say was, what they want about about Ed Whalen, but there's been a I've seen a, so much film of where he can actually pull a great interview about somebody like a J.R. Foley or you know yeah. Bulldog Bob Brown. Although you, you say what you will about his promo skills, but if you get him going, that's a different story. <laughs> but but there doesn't seem there seems to be that disconnect nowadays about there's not anybody that has the cachet as an interviewer to actually bring these personalities out. And then you run into the problem further on of the promo and the personality and et cetera. That's a good point about that, that you need somebody on the other, on the other side of the mic as well, that, 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 that helps develop that sort of thing. Right. Um, and, and because you've got a lot of people on the mic now that are the fanboys, I think too, with, with that sort of thing. And yeah, I know there's a lot of, you know, there's controversy about Ed and he, he all his decisions were not the best. And sometimes he was detrimental and certain, you know, he would choke certain wrestlers off and not give them a chance. But when he, if, when he had a guy he could vibe with, like a J.R. Foley, like a Dr. D, like, you know, like a Bad News Allen. I mean, it was like a, a you know, <laughs> was another one. It was a comedy. It was almost a comedy skit yeah. going on. Like, and, 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 uh, and he developed, he, Ed helped develop these characters, at least within the Stampede territory, uh, Archie the Stomper. And, uh, yeah, he, he, it was a big part of the, the personalities they developed and the characters they developed the the bounce back they have with Ed Whalen sort of thing and I, I I think I think Greg correct me if I'm wrong but I think no class Bobby Bass I think no class came from Ed Whalen because because he didn't Bobby Bass uh, throw some throw one of the midgets kick yeah, it, threw, kick threw a threw midget's a ass first. or something like that and, and, Ed, yeah. and Ed's, Ed called him no no class Bobby Bass and then that well, that became his thing you know think think of like uh, the weasel right like. You know, the yeah. Bobby Heenan, like that stuff comes about sometimes by accident, and that's what makes wrestling special, yeah. right? And when the stuff that's unplanned happens. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I got a bail, uh, but yes, I, it was interesting to hear Marty talk about mentoring and stuff because he's been a bit of a mentor for me. So thank you publicly. Well, thank you, Chief. Uh, I, I just want to mention that Greg Oliver, honestly, in terms of the journalism stuff I've worked on over the years, there are two guys that really stand out. Really, really stand out. Rick Baverstock was our program director at, at Kick FM, and I, I was Greg. I, I was on frequently in my radio days, uh, but Rick Baverstock was just unbelievably generous with his knowledge and his time to us. And and Greg is the, like the best boss ever because he, I I never get scolded for my spelling mistakes <laughs> <laughs> ever. And 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 he never shoots down my ideas in a blaze of glory. It's always gently. <laughs> I try, but anyway, this is a great discussion, touch. guys. I'll, we'll, uh, we can do it again. But yeah, it's past my bedtime, and I've been sick, so I do need to go to bed. All right, take and care, Greg. Have a good me. one. Thank All you, right, Greg. go Argos. Go Argos. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah. wait. No, what a heel. <laughs> I didn't see that the whole time. Oh. Um, and uh-huh, we've been hoodwinked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the best. We're going to win. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Take care. What a heel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on. Now, that's how you make an exit from a show, eh? Just a full, full on heel turn. Yeah. Leave him, leave him, leave him laying. Yeah. The next thing you know, he gives it to him. Now he can't turn nice. his computer off. That's even greater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
the red uh, phone button. He just he just waiting for just the leave. heat. Yeah. Just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. Oh, Mic drop. Yeah. Oh, cow. <laughs> oh God. Well, Was there another topic you had there, by the way? Well, I got a couple, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure how much time everybody else has this evening, but uh, just one other thing I wanted to bring up about the stickman aspect of it, and because I'm not as familiar with, with the Pacific Northwest West as uh, as I should be, was there anybody out there that, that played that, you know, uh, Ed Whalen, that... Um, you know, Mean Gene Okerlund role. Was there anybody out there that that really brought something out of the out of the wrestlers in the ring? Well, the correct answer is no, because the the Ron Morier was the I don't know if I, I, I you have to excuse me because Stephen's the expert on this, I, and I should defer to him. But Morier, I don't know when he took over the play by play of All Star Wrestling, uh, but he was a very I mean, this guy was a grandfather, had that grandfather vibe from the time he was about twenty three years old, uh, and. And and he was a very he was low key. And when you see the limited examples of Ron on play by play from the tape that's available in the late 70s, it's it's not the same product that I remember as I remember when he was younger, uh, even a few years younger. His play by play became very uh, choppy, is I think a good way of putting it. He he did sportscaster interviews, but he he, you know, Moondog Moretti used to complain, has always complained, complained to me that uh that Ron was like Ed Whalen, that he didn't let anybody get too much heat on the stick. He, he you know, uh, he was watching out for the television station's interests in that regard. Uh, but to do sportscaster interviews, whether it was with Dina Gucci, Stephen Littlebear, Kaniski himself, he was a fantastic interviewer doing straight interviews. The number of heated interviews they had in Vancouver, it was so rare that it was like, an, it was like the AWA annual angle. <laughs> you know, like it was so rare you'd remember it. Uh, I think I've got that correct. Bernie Pascal would fill in once in a while. And uh, Bernie was not a – it was just weird hearing him, uh, a really straight guy who was a sportscaster, trying to work around the product if he's the sports director or whatever. And he's like filling in for two weeks and really he doesn't know a padlock from a hammerlock. It was kind of funny to watch Bernie have to have to work around that. But Vancouver had a different – the show had a different style – and it just wasn't really geared to hot TV. We're out of time. You never saw that on the Vancouver TV, ever. Not once. <laughs> I saw Stephen yeah. nodding his head a few times there. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes, though, uh, you know, if, if, if you talk to people who watched All-Star Wrestling during its heyday, I mean, 60s and 70s particularly, uh, Ron Morey is one of those unforgettable figures. I mean, uh, he was the right guy for that job. I know some wrestlers who came along said, you know, he was not devoted to wrestling. And if you, I mean, there, there is footage of video on YouTube of Ron Morey, for example, doing an auction show at BC. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, he was kind of a that jack of trades, I think you could say. Yeah. And, uh, looked much older than he actually was. But he, he had great rapport with, with some of those wrestlers. I mean, he was, you know, Kaniski loved him. Uh, Dutch I think Savage. Loved him. Savage. Tolis. I mean. Yes, Tolis especially. He, you know, some, right, and the guys who came up from Portland were, were surprised at how little actually happened week to week. <laughs> uh, but you know, people who watched All-Star <laughs> over the long haul, I, I think 
really remember Ron Morey as a very good match for that rather quiet, slow-moving show. Um, and I, I want to point out that the AWA in in, in the, the tapes that we saw in Winnipeg, uh, and this for me goes back to 1968. I think it was, and Marty O'Neill was doing the play-by-play. And Marty O'Neill was like Ron Morier. He was a very—he's an old-style sportscaster. He was actually a shortstop in his youth who had played with Casey Stengel, which tells you how old Marty O'Neill was. <laughs> and, and and he was also a very staid, like very square broadcaster who conducted excellent interviews with the wrestlers and let them. And and I mean. You, when you watch those old AWA interviews, there's the, the one tape from Rockford, Illinois, for November of probably 1969 or 70. And there's an interview with the Sean, the Sean Brothers, an interview with with the Pepper Gomez and Red Bastine, and an interview with the Big K. And you just see how easily Marty, much again, in that Ron Morier mold. So not every territory, the Gene Okerlund thing, and I suppose it's a good question, uh, who concurrent with Waylon and Waylon's time was sort of a more over the top kind of character, but the play by play in 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 Vancouver and 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 Minneapolis territory, they were those were very straight up and down presentations. They were not uh, they were not circus shows by any by any stretch. They were not you did not get the sense that the play by play was hucksterism. But I think right. with the Whalen thing, and sure. Heath, Heath would know better than I would. No, I was going to say, you know, in terms of Morse, the Morse code, in, in terms of the Ed Whalen uh, aspect of Stampede Wrestling, he was more concerned about the TV studio, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Heath? He was. Yeah, he, he never like that was where people really, like, you know, Ed cut off some like, you know, a lot of great matches got cut off right at the great part because he didn't because, you know, they got bloody and, got, and, well, he, and he was and he was he worried about that. the perception. I'm it was. He yeah, he, he didn't yeah. want it on TV. He was worried about the perception. He was not. He liked wrestling. I think he, it's, not just, it's not fair to say he wasn't a wrestling guy. But he wasn't, it wasn't his primary focus, right? He was a wrestling guy. He liked it. I think he had a lot of fun with it. But I don't think, yeah, his, his stay, he, he was, he was a, a respected journalist in, in, the, in the city, right? He wasn't just a wrestling announcer. Like he was, he was the news director and sports director at, at, at Global at the time. Like he, and then later went on to be the Flames guy and stuff yeah. too. Like he, he was a respected dude and he couldn't, you know, he, yeah, he was very worried about his reputation and also the station's reputation. So he wouldn't, yeah, there's certain things that he wouldn't, he wouldn't allow. You know that he wouldn't, or that he kind of put the kibosh on. That, um, <clears throat> but at the same, but at the same time, I mean, I, I don't want to get go too hard. We t- some, you know, you talked about the he, an announcer being the right announcer for the right territory, and Whalen was for Calgary. I mean, he had this, you know, Calgary yeah. had that sort of, you know, that Western sort of feel to it and everything. He had that big personality. He had that big personality. He had that sort of hokey sort of charm, like, you know, ring-a-ding-dong dandy and all that kind of stuff. Like, it wouldn't, wouldn't fly today, but at the time, it was great, you know, and that's it. You know, another edition of Stampede Wrestling and a malfunction of the junction and all that kind of stuff. It was perfect for, for what the territory was, and, and it really, it, uh, you know, the, the Calgary fans loved him for it. Like, some people have... It's it, Ed's an interesting guy. He's a polarizing figure because a lot of red, real hardcore wrestling fans are like, well, he he screwed up this and he screwed up that, and he wasn't, you know, he wouldn't allow this guy to get heat. And 
and this sort of thing. But but at the same time, other people have said like he was the star of Stampede Wrestling. In well, not just that, but if something goes sideways and you're not on TV anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So you know but, you have to balance the criticism of, uh, and it's justifiable in terms of the from the product point of view that yeah. it wasn't didn't have the. The heat, or it cut guys off, and and I can understand how how any you know I don't I wouldn't want to be cut off. I'm trying to get some heat either, right? No. But ultimately, no. he's the one that made sure that they stayed on the air because they sure weren't about the the last thing Bruce Hart was ever going to do was self censor. <laughs> right? No, exactly. No, and actually, there there was times when Stu, you know, there was times in I guess the '60s when Stu did lose his license, and uh, yep, and Ed's the one that got him back on. Like, you know, I mean, Stu relied on Ed Whalen a lot. And, uh, yeah, it was a, he, he's a polarizing figure for a reason. He did great things for Stampede. And then he also, you know, there's some things that he kind of stifled as well. I want to mention one other guy briefly, and that's in the, Munch, in the Montreal. Uh, and there's the odd tape of TV. And actually, there's one tape in particular that, it seems to me, bounces on and off of, of YouTube. And, and Montreal is another example, and this is the late 70s, early 80s. I don't remember the fellow's name offhand. But there's another mid-70s, actually. And there's another example of a guy when you see that, when you stumble across him. This would be the Carpanche, Carpanche era, the, the, the joint work between the Grand Prix office and the, the other office there. And that's another example of a guy who was a, a, a Jack. I can't remember his last name. I, I, his son-in-law became my boss in when I did talk radio at CFRW Winnipeg in the late nineties. And he said, Hey, you're talking about my wrestling background. He tells me about his father-in-law, who I <laughs> never really heard of and had not seen any tapes of. And I was father-in-law. I've been the wrestling announcer for the TV in Montreal. And, and that was worked out good for me because he respected what I did. Uh-huh. Uh, and, but there's another example of a guy who is very, you know, very laid back and, and very, uh, you know, very much took that sportscaster role as opposed to, Something that was loud, over the top. The the biggest thing that, that it was those broadcasters Jack Jack Caron. Sorry, that's who it was. Jack. Yeah, and the, the the biggest thing that that style did is it established the Canadian wrestling fan was generally a little more intellectual. You know, they viewed it more as a sport and less as just a, a an adjunct of roller derby compared <laughs> to American fans. <laughs> and, and so, in that regard, it it. it uh, and again, like, you know, a guy like like Lord Layton, who I I think I think of all the characters we've mentioned, I think Layton was more apt to go over the top than any of the the other names. I, you know, I don't know if Gary Maxwell ever, ever exceeded 100 decibels in a broadcast for for Emile Dupree. Uh, Canada just didn't breed that kind of of of, uh, you know, loud character, you know, the, where the where the announcer outside of Whalen was the star of the show. I think uh, Okerlund. For Canadian wrestling fans, uh, because he got exposure on TSN in the early and mid '80s, yeah. I think Oakland was the one that sort of broke the mold in this country of what they thought wrestling play-by-play was or could be. Yeah, I remember another uh, announcer. Uh, I think based in Montreal, probably uh, mid '70s. I think uh, he worked for a short-lived promotion there. I, I remember a TV show called Celebrity Wrestling, and yes. An announcer, yeah. Dave Singer, who was really playing a character. Um, yeah, I see. I've never heard of him. Yeah, I, I don't know how long the promotion lasted. I, I don't even... Oh, actually, I, I think Roddy, I, a young Roddy Piper was... Uh, yeah, on his way to and from the Maritimes around 74, 75. 
he would have passed through Montreal. That sounds that sounds. And you, about so right. you saw celebrity wrestling? I did. Yeah, I, I grew up wow. in Ontario wow. in the London area, and uh, yeah. You know, I, one I, name that we haven't mentioned so far is is Milta Vruska. Yeah, uh, George Cannon's. Uh, and, and George was another example of a guy who was understated and very erudite and intellectual. Uh, and yet when Avruskin started, got on the stick and Milt started uh, uh, getting deeper into the play-by-play, there was a guy who by the time he was done was very comfortable in the role of pitching things and over-the-top <laughs> hyperbole and such things. But even when you look at Milt when he started out, he, he was a little loud and he'd get excited but he was much more of the Cannon ilk than of the Gene Okerlund ilk. Nothing against Okerlund. I mean, he did the business a great favor by doing what he did. Uh, but, uh, but again, uh, you know, just to make the point, that's an American intrusion, an American stylistic intrusion into what culturally for Canadians was a combat, a combat sport and not, you know, not showbiz. Uh, uh, yes. Not, not a, not an exhibition. Uh, uh, not an exhibition of skill and science or whatever they mm. called it in Ontario on the posters. I, I, I thought of another uh, thing about uh, Whalen actually, while we're, um, that he makes it another thing that made him stand out from other announcers, I think, and correct me if, if there's somebody that I'm missing here, but I don't think, I can't think of another announcer as I'm thinking about it here. That was that this uh, kind of cocky, like, you know, uh, most announcers sort of like, you know, they, they cower a little bit before the wrestlers and, yeah. and Waylon would openly mock them. And, yeah. and that's another thing I think that people you know, hold against Waylon, too, because because when you're openly mocking a guy, then how is he going to get over certain? But but it worked often. Yeah, but I think Sam Menneker did the same thing. And he had he, right. He, right? Yeah. And Sam. But you know where that comes from, though? Like, listen, when I'm when I've done TV, uh, I'm talking about more recently. Um uh, but even even when I did TV in Kansas City and I, I did the interviews for whatever it was, four or five weeks there uh, for the TV in the late 80s. And so I'm dealing with Mike George and Rick McCord, Vince Apollo, Tommy Gilbert, uh, and a, a couple of Canadian guys. Mike Stone was down there and a few uh, Tommy Sharp and a few other fellows. Uh, and, um, you know, wrestlers aren't going to go, generally go that route in their attitude towards the person holding the microphone if if they are with somebody who, like myself or, or Jay French, and by no means were we great, but we were wrestlers. And they, they accepted us as wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And so that part of the act comes more so from, you know, sportscasters or broadcasters or, or marks that, you know, promote, <laughs> as friends with a promoter, and so they hand them a microphone, and the guy might have done two weeks of, of college radio at the U of W doing a music show once upon a time. And they hand them a microphone, and and the boys didn't used to, and in a way still don't, don't have the same kind of respect for somebody who hasn't been in their boots. But when I'm doing interviews, I've you know like I've made it clear that there's do not grab the mic, do not grab the mic, do not grab the mic because that's a bad thing. For one thing, when you grab a mic and I don't know when I'm holding onto it, it'll rebound and hit me in the face and chip my tooth. (laughs) So. So that's one reason why you shouldn't grab a mic. But with myself, you know, because I still I, I can still end up refereeing. I've ended up in positions of, of being an arbitrator, uh, you know, uh, 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 special commissioner functions, etc. I can't be put in a position. I'm not going to let myself. I think it's a better way of putting it. Be put in a position where, where I'm being, you know, intimidated by somebody 
because ultimately I still lace up the boots and I still have to be able to go. So I don't get it, but the guys also know that, that there's there's a it's not gonna it's not gonna work the same with me where I've got a reputation of my own that I want to try to maintain and want to want to try to portray. Uh, by no means am I a tough guy, but that's a lot different than again some you know skinny kid skinny kid that's uh, you know that's just imitating. Michael Cole imitating somebody <laughs> Please else. Please, right? nobody I mean, ever biggest... imitate Michael Cole. God damn. Yeah, this is what they've learned. This, this is the, the, the announcers nowadays for a lot of them. This is what they've learned, and, and that's what they what their idea is. Listen, you grow up in Canada. You want to grow up to do hockey play by play. Who did you learn from? If you're in Vancouver, Jim Robson, right? If you're in Eastern Canada, and again, this goes back perhaps a generation, a little more than one generation. Danny Gallivan, right? I mean, that's how you do, that's the kind of play-by-play you emulate it. Well, nowadays, when the kid grows up with the attitude error and this and that, he watches wrestling, I want to be Michael Cole. Well, that's in a way, that's okay because I respect the, the kind of reporting he did overseas or whatever. He was a war correspondent, so I respect that. But on the other hand, Michael Cole is a product of Vince yelling in his ear for you know two decades. And, and when kids try to imitate that and they don't have Vince McMahon in their ear, it ends up looking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the kind of kid that a wrestler's going to, you know, can be in a position where he's confrontational. He's not going to get any guff back. But to, to go back to what you said, outside of way, you never saw, God, can you imagine Ron Morier or, 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 or Marty O'Neill giving guff back to one of the wrestlers? <laughs> of course not. Like, not in a million years. But they never would have given that kind of guff personally to the guy holding the microphone. In those days, it made it look that it would make the TV look bad, right? Who was the guy in Chicago that did the TV? Chuck with the glasses. Oh shoot, I can't remember who what right. his name is. Chuck Marlowe. Yeah, Chuck Marlowe. Yeah. Who the hell's gonna come on a Chuck? <clears throat> well, let me tell you something, Marlowe. Who's gonna try to intimidate Chuck Marlowe? For one thing, the guy's six foot four. The other thing, he's like the news director of one of the biggest of the biggest stations in Chicago. Where's that gonna go? And then on top of that, you go and you screw around with your announcer and take the bruiser and Wilbur Snyder waiting for you in the locker room. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good idea. I think there's some other reasons why these things didn't go on in the old days, guys. <laughs> Maybe we have to <clears throat> You want to screw around with the announcer and end up having to deal with, with can you imagine, with Ray Gunkel or Vern Kanye or even Bob Geigel? You know, you, you really want to mess around with Bob Geigel? No. He, 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 that's a strong, mean person, even in his old age. <laughs> Big it's funny. Like it's funny that. that you mentioned. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Danny Galvin, Marty, because that's something I was going to compare Ed Whalen to with some of his uh, sayings that he came up with. Um, that it was almost like that's what was the appeal. Like you know, you had Danny Galvin with with his famous sayings on the mic, and then you have Ed Whalen the same way. Uh, quick side note: Danny Galvin's a distant relative of mine too. No, so oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, on my mother's oh. side, but uh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing with Whalen, and I remember as a kid, it's funny you brought that up, Heath, about him kind of bowing up to these wrestlers. And I, it used to drive me crazy when I was a kid. It's like, why is this guy not afraid of mucking Singh or somebody like that, right? But, uh, yeah, but them, yeah. Oakland did the same thing. Oakland didn't take anything off these guys either. He just, he, you know, he'd, he'd call them down as soon as it happened. So you got the same thing. But the one thing that it did do, a guy like Oakland doing that or Whalen doing that, it felt like they had some authority or if it was Gordon Soley or if it was yeah. Lance Russell, it felt like there was an authority level. That you, you don't mess with them because they're so not Karabitas. in the ring. Yes, exactly. It's exactly it. That's what's missing too, the respect level on that side of it. 
Uh, and now we got all these stupid GMs and these uh, yeah. whatever you want, commissioners, and they have no authority. So, But at least the announcer seemed like he was the guy who was corralling everything in and just kind of keeping it level. And sometimes Wait. it were for real, like you mentioned with Whalen, trying to keep the show on the air. Playboy Doug McCall had a who was very a very smart guy when it came to uh, psychology and, and 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 knew the broadcast business. Worked with me in radio as well, and and worked around the radio market in in Winnipeg. And Playboy Doug McCall believed always believed, and we man, we used to talk about this going back even in the in the van like in the Lars Anderson days. And he started out when he replaced me doing play by play with New Brand Wrestling originally when I stepped away, and and Doug got recruited in short order from the Tech Vock High School. Uh, broadcast program and Doug believed that a successful anytime we try to plan out TV tapings or things like that through the through the 80s or, or through the 90s was how do we replace me meaning me in the broadcast position where do we how do we convince Ernie Nairn or one of the other old Winnipeg broadcasters because Doug was a firm believer that you needed a grandfatherly type announcer for the audience to really be able to to identify with the announcer with the credibility of the announcer selling you the product telling you what's going on and that's what marty o'neill had uh, roger kent was sort of like your your strange uncle in the NWA <laughs> context um you're very tall very strange uncle but but ron morier and, and ed whalen uh certainly uh they whalen i guess was also kind of like a funny uncle uh but but they they had this older man thing going on and i when i started doing play-by-play i was like 20 20 literally 20 years old and i'm interviewing like chris pepper and stuff and and, and even you know in the heyday of new brand where you know like I, i'm like i'm like interviewing like leo burke and trying to drag an interview out of ron pope and i'm like 23 years old and i'm trying to do this kind of stuff and it, in that regard doug i i realized in the moment i realized yeah it would be a lot better actually if you know somebody if, if a grown-up you know, was the face of the of, of the program, not because there's anything wrong with my play by play, but just the ability of people to to accept the product as having that sports credibility. They have more invested when they see an old an old broadcaster, an older broadcaster, somebody who they know has done news or has, they've seen do sports. Th- that credibility brings a lot to the product. And you don't see that really considered very much well in a way i have to take that back because AEW did because they have jim ross and they have and they have tony shivani so they there's an outfit that recognized that kind of the need for people to feel comfortable with the broadcasters well it's whether or not they use them properly is a different story i think is that's, it, yeah, that's exactly, a big issue but with ultimately them. how comfortable are you with a wrestling product with 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 you know and 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 it's not like he's not like i haven't, haven't haven't had favorable dealings with him but like excalibur wears a mask so how, no offense, how, BC, how... obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so to have normal-looking human beings engaged in the broadcast and people that are older and have, you know, credibility, that kind of credibility, I, I think that that enhances a product more so than throwing every kid, every pencil deck kid <laughs> who's, you know, mother is an investor in the promotion or, you know. <laughs> Some, so, so you know their their uncle they're they're going to be doing a show on their uncle's car lot in four weeks so let's give the kid the microphone let him introduce the wrestlers it's a good way to kill your product mm-hmm. you start screwing around like that yeah it's it's an interest it's a lost art definitely and you can see it today which is why I think we're missing a lot of the other and you know this kind of brings us back to our earlier you know I've I'm we've gone offshoot about several different times here but 
you know, talking so about... it brings what, us back to the earlier point. Yes, and, 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 you know, you start to really notice, and especially, you know, going through the historical side of things, what's missing today, right? And it's, it's you, you, you miss all these little things progressively, right? You're, you're, you miss the stick man, and then you're missing the interviews, and then you're missing the personality, and then you really, when you start rolling these things up, you really start to understand what, what we're missing in today's day and age. And I think that... That's why, you know, looking back in history, you know, reading the books like from Heath and Steve or, or, or reading the articles from Javier or listening to my stupid voice once a month that gives you these this information of these uh, of what happened, of why these people meant something. Right. You start to understand the impact that they actually had. Well, why did they have that impact? Well, it's because they had you know, this ability to draw people in, they talked you into the building, they, they made you connect, they made you feel something, you know, Steve made the great point, you know, MGF is one of the few today that actually gets it in terms of the old school way. And I think, you know, it's, it's something that we're, we're really missing today and and God wrestling would be so much better if, if we could get some of that feeling back, I think. Me too. It's it's about the wrestler committing himself to wanting to to be like that, right? It's 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 almost like MJF is going against the grain. Yes. He's going. He's fighting against this huge tide of. But he's like, no, this is the way I want to be. I mean, he's very committed to being being who he is, and and uh, he's very entertaining. He he can he can get people riled up, and 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 people who are in the audiences or on their computers thinking that they know everything and they still get generally upset over things he <laughs> says but i'm like isn't that his isn't that his job as a heel when did we lose focus here that that the heel is supposed to upset you and you're supposed to kind of understand okay okay calm down it's wrestling but i hate that guy but i'm enjoying this oh that's why i'm a fan to let let them and it goes back to let them let let them be let let the characters, let the personalities come out, and we 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 can have so much more enjoyment when we watch a, a wrestling. And uh, but there was a po- a really important point in the indies. I think it's the the promos. There's a difference between promos and interviews. And in the indies, I believe there's a little, maybe a lot more spontaneity in most of the promotions I've seen in the local. Uh, promotions like in the United States, so the, the smaller companies. I think I think the promos are just more spontaneous and and in a way entertaining. I like I like seeing that WWE is is very successful. It's making rolling rolling in 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 the money, but uh, I, I it's, it's it's to me it's unbearable sometimes to watch. I'm sorry from the from the quick shifting camera angles to the <laughs> no one sweats. Everyone is so perfect looking. There, no one has any body hair. Yeah. I mean, like it, it goes on and on. It's just, it's not. It's, it's, it's something. To me, honestly, it's, it's WWE, AEW is there, and then pretty much everyone else is, is, is different than than those two or a couple of big promotions. It's just different. Everything is considered wrestling or sports entertainment, but WWE is its own. Tries to be its own entertainment entity and it's less wrestling now than it has ever been whatever you want to think what wrestling is you know one thing you you want it's, it's going to become the e it will not be wwe yeah. at some point they'll, they'll just call themselves e that's all entertainment they will take out 
the the uh the w's they'll they'll keep the world yeah. entertainment. They'll keep, they'll be, you'll be the world entertainment or whatever yeah, but yeah. We... <laughs> but the one that's what they that's what they want you know that's what they want the one point you made you guys... about the heels is uh, sorry heath is uh you just quickly you mentioned heels and everybody nod their head so i just wanted to point that out but <laughs> heath go ahead Oh, I just said I. I think I got to go put my son to bed here and stuff. So I, I meet meet some people here and everything as well. And it's it's been a great show too. Well, so, yeah. Thanks, Heath. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully your kid goes to sleep for you. All right. Yeah. Just show him well, one of my yeah, matches, Heath. <laughs> yeah, show him a Marty Gold match. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thanks. Have a good one. Thanks, Heath. Have a good one. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to cut out as well. I've got a a young one who popped in the door here, and it's about time to put her to bed. Uh, See, but... well, I'll show her one of my matches too. Then Marty's YouTube Marty's YouTube stats are gonna go through the roof tonight. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, Marty, are are you going to try the Bobby Heenan approach to that match? You know, where you kind of disappear, no. come back. Just no, I have, no, I, no, no. I, 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 on it, actually, Stephen, I, I get in where, wherever my number is going to be drawn uh, in the rumble, and I'm going to lace up my boots, and I'm going to get in, and and I am going to unload Billy Robinson uppercuts, and uh, the corkscrew will be John Tolo style. There will be mortal agony suffered by anybody that I can get my my hands on, and I don't care if it's Davy Boy Smith Jr. or Outlaw Adam Knight or that that anti Canadian pro American hotshot Danny Duggan. Mentlo is my friend. Mentlo is the champion. Mentlo, I know that I can figure out. I can't go an hour with the guy, but if I get a title match and, and I have I have the kind of game plan I need, I know that within ten to fifteen minutes before I run out of gas that I can beat Mentalo and become the CWE champion. It's because I have that kind of confidence that I'm stupid enough at my age to put my boots back on <laughs> and get into the ring on the 27th, fans. Okay, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that. And again, I'm looking forward to getting good news one of these days about Gordianko in Manitoba. Yeah, us as well. I'm going to be having some conversations, and we'll be having some conversations probably on this program, but the the city, the new city council are all going to be getting a, a personal note from the wrestling community with regards to wanting them to swing behind ensuring that George is properly recognized and remembered in our city. Fantastic. Anyway, it's great to meet, well, actually, great to meet two gentlemen and um, and uh, Andy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Two gentlemen and Andy. Listening to your show next year. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, yeah you, you're better off in wrestling. Are you going to get back into a political race in the future, though? For myself? Yeah. Yeah, I think I almost have to at this point. I had a decent showing in in, in uh, my ward here. So, we'll see, you know, four years is a long time, but we'll see what happens. But uh, I think, I okay, think I'm well, leaning towards it. Okay, we got four straight years of shows to look forward to. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what he was yeah, really getting yeah, into. Okay. Thanks, That's Steve. Have a great night. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you, Stephen. There, now at least everybody knows I'm on the hook for the next four years of doing this program, so. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> at least I'll get some publicity. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, the, the one thing that you seem to be lacking, uh, Marty, is being able to uh, talk your ass off and get yourself over to the to the uh, fans. If only. Yeah, I know it's holding me back. Yeah, you 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 really got to work on that work on that skill set. I'm telling you. I'm running out of time. <laughs> like, <laughs> taking me this many years, I still haven't figured it out. That's not so good. So I guess before we totally wrap up and everybody <clears throat> bounces out tonight, uh, BC, before before we wrap up and close up shop here tonight, let's hear what's happening with, with Wrestling With The Truth because I know the program's kind of gone through a few uh, line of changes, iterations over the last year. Uh, what's happening with the program? What do you got on the horizon with that? Uh, well, as we're recording this right now, we're doing our November to remember. So that's where that's and right. you participated in it last year, actually, where we invite different podcasters from different genres onto the show and just chat about wrestling and then chat about what they're doing. So it's been really fun for us this, this time. We've had a, a couple of folks from outside of the wrestling bubble who are wrestling fans. So it's nice to get their, uh, their opinion on things, but for us, it's just steady as she goes. Uh, it's a new episode every week, wherever you can find your podcast, audio podcast. And plus, since um, over the last few months, we've also added the uh, YouTube channel, Wrestling With The Truth. And so we're trying to build that and just do some different uh, different styles of videos on there, uh, just some fun stuff, uh, some, you know, clips and things like that. But uh, overall, it's it's just... You know, it, it's uh, Jay's got the uh, the eye for the modern stuff. I'm the old school guy, so we try to meet in the middle. I try to educate him a little bit, try to nudge him to, to the old school. He tries to nudge me over to the, the new stuff, and we see who wins every week. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. We've uh, been, you know, we appreciate the support you've given us over that time as well. It's 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 greatly appreciated, and we've always enjoyed having you on. I think I think uh, well, it's ironic that I think it was Marty that said that. Uh, will be the old guy screaming at the clouds. I think our episode that we did, we called it Grumpy Old Man. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I know. Thanks a lot for having me on. Again, I, I feel completely out of place in this group. This is I'm just some some uh, mark, as you say, that that does a podcast. But, uh, but yeah, no, I really appreciate you guys letting me talk on here. Well, we appreciate having you, Mar- uh, BC, for sure. And then, obviously, we can't, uh, can't let everybody go before... Uh, Javier, what's happening with? I swear to God, every time. So I did the, I did the. We're gonna step out of podcast mode and we're going to real life mode for a second here. So I finished up my last episode that I did of the podcast was on the Tolis Brothers. I finished production of that in July and I went radio silence, as as most listeners would know, until uh, recently, very recently, and every goddamn time i swear i went on facebook i'd see a new article on pro wrestling stories from javier i what, how many articles are you up to now well those are in rotation um there are different there are different writers i know there, but, but I, I see yours yeah. specifically because like i always see, I see <laughs> <laughs> marty are you taking I, notes about I, how to get I, yourself I, over I, I, I pass. I passed the big bucks to the editor and owner. I'm like, dude, I just want to see my <laughs> stuff first, my stuff before everyone else's. But I mean, between between the ones that are submitted in draft and and published, it's about 115, 115 articles on there on pro wrestling stories. So I'm only 114 you look, behind you. Look, you look you. disappointed, Andy. 115 isn't 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 good enough for you, I guess. No, I'm just look- I'm I'm just trying I'm trying to figure out my my path to. 
to match you, but I think it would take me about a year and a half to <laughs> get there. You mean one podcast and one one uh, one one article? Oh, you, good that's God! That's how you're trying to do it? No, I think I if I get a oh, one yeah, podcast, did, did, I'd be okay. okay. Yes, you have your you you wrote you have one story on there, right? Yeah, I do. I have the Nanjo Singh uh, story on there. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot, but I did read it. That's why. That's why I've only got I, 114 to go to tie your record. Well, it's not. A, it's <laughs> I got nothing else to do. That's why there. I got so many articles on there. It's not like it's not really a skill. It's just I got I got time, and no nothing else to you know either toys or 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 books. books. And, I only see about a hundred books behind you. <laughs> But uh, definitely pro wrestling stories. There's a there's a bunch of good stuff on there, and uh, yeah, my my articles are there also, and it's mostly old school old school wrestling we we uh, the, the, the we focus on. So you won't you won't see any Raw or SmackDown results or anything like that. We were definitely the newest thing I've done is is like in the early 2000s, 2005, 2006, and uh, I might I might revisit the uh, the Gail Kim and and the and the Awesome Kong rivalry. Nice. I think it's 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 something I always go back to, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should write something about this. I just I just really enjoy that. So we're we're always looking at th- different topics, I you know, to 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 write about, and um, that's where we are right now. ProWrestlingStories.com, and uh, and uh, NBC is welcome to check it out. I I already subscribed to his. Uh, to the on the YouTube channel of wrestling with with oh. wrestling uh, with the truth. So thank yeah, you. I, so you got one more subscriber there. I appreciate that. <laughs> and Marty, for yourself, obviously we know you about your big Royal Rumble uh, or sorry Battle Royal that you'll be entering. But uh, you are back in the uh, Winnipeg politic uh, radio scene. Tell us a little bit about the great Canadian not, not talk radio, show podcast. Yes. God, God forbid radio should have anything worth listening to in the Winnipeg market. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, the, great, the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast was restarted uh, specifically as an election project. And by the time I was done, uh, it was determined that uh, I couldn't walk away again. And so we're going to continue. Uh, Spirit of Kenny and myself are going to continue to put out uh, product about once a week. Uh, this week's is going to be at the is going to be the. Uh, anniversary show will be 16 years ago this weekend that our run started on Kick FM in Winnipeg, uh, and uh, it's going to be more general interest and not entirely focused on uh, on civics uh, the way it was through the election campaign. That was sort of a specific kind of pro- podcast project, the likes of which um, Winnipeg has never seen before, and surely some politicians are hoping they never see again. <laughs> <laughs> Especially ones uh, who may go back to Toronto. So, but that's a whole other well, story. Says he says he ain't moving, but okay. he said things before, so <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Uh, and and so I'm continuing with that. I'm going to continue to work with uh, CWE uh, uh, out of Winnipeg, and I'm hoping this year. I'm hoping to figure out how to arrange my schedule so that I can do one of the tours uh, to. Uh, Alberta and to Saskatchewan. We'll see if CWE gets back into Ontario and uh, and uh, BC and Quebec, um, where it's been previously. I continue to function as the editor of the J.ca, Canada's national online Jewish newspaper. And uh, some ring-a-ding-dong dandies. This, this story this week got the attention of the Office of the Commissioner for Lobbyists in Ottawa. And next week's story is going to get the attention of a few people as well. 
so that's the 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 steady not not paying much gig uh, in terms of, <laughs> of of media and broadcasting. So do the podcast, work on the on the J.ca, uh, and uh, uh, continue to try to contribute what I can through CWE. And we'll see if there's other wrestling shows that come up locally that uh, I can impart my my wisdom or my corkscrew on. Yeah, one uh, of the and, two. <laughs> and one, one of the one of the two, hopefully. Uh, and that that pretty much uh, covers it for me at, at this stage. Though so I guess I guess one of these days I got to go back to the idea of writing a book and what it's going to be about. And I I guess we'll we'll have to evaluate what kind of uh, prospects that has for me to slowly go more bankrupt like every other author that's participated <laughs> in this broadcast this evening. Well, gentlemen, this has been an absolute uh, blast for myself. Uh, thanks to the previous guests who had to early depart, but that's the that's a great thing about a holiday special. Everybody comes and goes as they as they choose. They sample the sample the fine eats. They have some of the drinks yeah. as as uh, Heath McCoy demonstrated for all of us. <laughs> but uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This was this was thank an absolute you. blast. Cool. It was a real, for, real pleasure being able to meet you guys also as well uh, for the first time. And, and, and BC and Javier, I hope that we our paths cross in the, in the near future. I really hope so. I'm, I, I think it's a good idea for guys like us to continue to collaborate and continue to support each other's work. And, uh, and Andy, the tax man, you're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Morier tradition. <laughs> I'll be, I'll become Kaniski in my old age. <laughs> and as usual, Andy. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Cool. I appreciate the I appreciate the conversation, everybody. That thanks. was excellent, man. Thank thanks you, thank lot. you, guys.